What is up, Chomp Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Chomp Cast. We know life is precious and your time is valuable. So thank you for making our podcast part of your day. Hopefully we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit. You know, when you listen to the show, we give you legendary life boons that you need to survive 2021. It's a Hades reference. Uh, don't forget, you can check out SwordChomp.com if you want to find all of our written reviews, merchandise, podcast, Patreon, and more. But this is the moment you have been waiting all year for. I always say this, but if the whole year is foreplay, this is the money shot. I was trying to find the most disgusting way I could say that. That's the best thing I could think of on the spot. This you is... The this is the moment you've been paying. This is the glory hole you paid a lot of money to shove yourself into. This Thank is you for subscribing to our OnlyFans. <laughs> Game of the year, week three, the grand finale. Probably the shortest of the shows, but we're just gonna count down our uh favorite games of the year, our top five games of the year, and then find some sort of a consensus thing, hopefully without yelling at each other for the end of the year. And uh bada bing bada boom. That'll be putting a bow on 2020, even though it's 2021. So um, it should be a lot of fun. Let's get to some intros here. Who's going to be giving you their lists for this show? In case it's your first show, it's probably not. But just in case it is. Um, from New York, the one and only Rich Meister joins us. Uh, Rich is here. And it was his birthday this past week. So happy birthday, Rich. Thanks. Thanks. I'm here. Uh, I have small batch bourbon, so it's the forget juice. Um, the forget juice, okay. If you're listening to this Hashtag in forgettable. the in when it comes out, then I was gonna say in the future, but it's in the past now. Uh, we're gonna do a stream tomorrow, <laughs> or at least Josh and I are. I don't I don't know what you guys are doing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> well, yeah, they won't be able to hear this because it'll be out Tuesday. Yeah, well, no, guess. they'll be able to hear it, but it will have already happened, and I'm gonna get pretty <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that's good to hear. I mean, I was actually thinking about that when we got the code uh, from Yacht Club Games for um, Cyber Shadow, that you actually got in some in a weird way, you got a birthday present by playing Cyber Shadow early, which is kind of I cool. did, and I really liked it, and I really, yeah. uh, shout out to the guys at Yacht Club, because uh, I've given them a lot of my money over the years, uh, because I bought Shovel Knight several times, mm-hmm. because that game's really fucking good, and so is Cyber Shadow. And uh, you have a review up at swordchomp.com, but we can't talk about Cyber Shadow till next week. Okay. It's a game of the year embargo put on ourselves by ourselves. So there we go. Um, and so it should be a lot of fun. Count down your first. Uh, yes. Also, uh, I listened to the show last week and Rich, uh, I am sorry that I'm so, sorry that I yelled at you a little bit on the last podcast. I do feel a I'm bit bad about that. not ready to forgive you yet. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> let's re- let's revisit it next week. I don't think you should forgive me just yet. I think it should it should take time. You know, it's a healing. This is a process. healing process. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, it took Ellie thirty hours to begin letting go. So it's, you can't rush these things. But it felt like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I take back my apology. No, I'm just kidding. Um. Anyways, thanks for being here, Rich. Also, apology Shay- rescinded. <laughs> <laughs> that's Shay joining us from Japan. Uh, yeah, I think I yelled at you too, Shay. So I'm sorry if I yelled at you too. I greatly apologize. Why would you yell at you too? Not, 
Because <laughs> Bono Because sucks. they put the music on your phone without you asking, Josh. That's mm. true. Remember that? That yeah. was a whole... That's if you're an old man, you remember that. That whole Yeah, right? Right? No, I would have paid money to not get a U2 album. album. You know what the shitty thing is about that, though, Shay? Yeah. Is what? that... That's got to be the greatest marketing deal in the history of marketing deals, right? Everyone gets your album. But no, even if it's a good album, nobody's going to give it a shot because they're so disgusted by the fact that you they just got absorbed your art. You know what I mean? It's just well, fucked up. Because it starts randomly playing itself whenever you're uh, <laughs> it, trying to listen to If it had been music. a better artist. And you're like, what the fuck is this? If it had been a better artist, it would have been received better. And that's the truth. Then, so, then U2? Um, not that U2 is bad, well, I actually, like you, some of their songs, but they're pretty well disliked. That was, well, that was not a good album. On the that whole, all, that, is not well. a, that is well. U2, U2 but, has um, their songs that stand no, out to me, but I'm a whole, previous, not a huge U2 fan. It's a beautiful fair, day. Fair. To, to, um, to your previous point, Morgan, yeah. I think you yelled at me the least out of the other three guys, out of the three of us. Did I? But I... I thought it was really funny, and I was trying not to laugh during the show last week. And I was in the gym listening to the album after, or not the album. The uh, now I'm mixing the things <laughs> up. The podcast episode, and um, I was laughing my ass off in the gym when Josh called it a turd, and you're like, "Ellie's not a turd. Abby's not a turd." And I was like, "Oh fuck, I can't handle." <laughs> It, it, it was so fucking funny because so you, were, you were halfway joking but halfway serious as well, and I was like, I can't, t- I can't fucking, ha- I can't with this right now. <laughs> no, uh, Morgan, you have to understand the most frustrating part of the conversation is the point where you got angry and started like, I was so perplexed because I was like, I was helping you, we were a lock, and now you're going on a rant. <laughs> well, I, I'll talk. We about were, that later. we were actually this bracing is, for that conversation this, on the next topic, but. This yeah, I actually have a, a funny soliloquy on that later that we can talk about. But um, excellent, looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. I have a no, no. That was genuine. That wasn't sarcasm. That oh, was okay, genuine. Okay. Um, yeah, let's just say it's sort of like uh, like a, a surgeon looking at a car cra- or uh, what's it called when they're like looking over a dead body to find out the cause of um, an autopsy. Uh, yeah, autopsy. Sorry. Um, Let me have another sip of coffee. I guess typically a coroner's you know job, but. You you said autopsy, which is the correct word. I was gonna say posthumous examination because I couldn't think of the word autopsy right off the top of my head. Did you just def- all you did was define autopsy. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yes, they would be correct. Um, for some reason, I just kept it had nothing to do with it, but I just flashed to that scene of Edward Norton in Fight Club where he's looking through all those cars and he's like talking about all the gross shitty finds and how he's performing analytics on it. So like his job, if I remember in Fight Club, is to like do analysis on like car crashes and shit like that. Yeah. Basically, um, basically he's checking like for uh car safety and security uh, in, in response to those car accidents. He's trying to basically um, gather information in ways to which uh, improve providing the car information structure, which right? the car companies can downplay the incidents yes. so yes. they can continue to sell cars without being, sued or having class and it's, and it, it also it's dark it, it's really it does dark. have to do with like improvements overall right like where you can look at it and go oh you know when pressure is exerted here this part of the car crumpled so there should probably be some design changes there and then ford can take yeah. none of that because they don't care um it's just the way and we can all continue was, to die it was very sad would, yeah would you be up to edit together a new version of fight club uh where tyler durden is the incredible hulk and we just edit together scenes of Fight Club and Ed Norton in The Incredible Hulk. 
No. Dude. But mm. if you I would be, Josh seems like I he's would in. Be down with you editing where in the background at the the final shot where Marla Singer and the narrator played by Edward Norton, which is Tyler Durden, are holding hands. The the buildings crumbling and falling down are all the hedge funds. Since that's pretty topical right now, I would. I'm so mad we that. can't talk about that this week. The the Hulk would pummel the hell out of Marla Singer, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Up. When he's in because Edward Norton is, isn't he actually woman. Brad Pitt? Isn't nobody whole, nobody uh, knows what's gonna happen. Wasn't there a scene where he wakes up and sees all these condoms floating in the toilet or something like that? I want to say that's something from that. No, movie those weren't condoms. I know it's confusing for you because you've never seen one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I just I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I don't. Remember those are what cigarette it was. butts. <laughs> no, I can see now, where you'd mix them up, though. Now I gotta go. No, there's gotta be something. Both of them go nowhere near your penis. I don't. I can't even tell if you guys are messing with me now. I'm not gonna even fall into this. Um, <laughs> We're trying to divert you so we can get to the show. Is kind of what's um, going on. Uh, that's Josh what I was implying, here. Josh. Same size. That's exactly what I was implying. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring that up on air, but you know, I, no, I'm no, gonna no. fuck it. That's exactly what I was. Here we implying. go. It was condoms, though, right? Um, Josh, I honestly Fowler, don't remember. You don't remember? Okay, okay. Uh, Senior. Letters to swordchomp at gmail.com. Joshua Fowler is joining us from Michigan. Um, I'm not sad. I yelled at Josh last week. Ha ha! Zinger! Took two intros to build up that joke. (laughs) Oh, Josh. You were mean to your friend and you don't apologize. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Josh, you don't want to rip my heart out today, Josh. I have too much... You don't want to just skull, skull fuck my heart. Just imagine my heart is a skull and your skull fuck. Doesn't it. seem like it would work that well with so many bones. Well, have you ever skull fucked anyone? No, I, I mean the heart. Not a human heart. Not a not a not a great organ for bones. <sighs> yeah, hearts. Well, would where be... do you keep your bones? Hmm. Mm, that's true. Where where do you keep your bones, Rich? Um, we all have in, our seats. In my pants. Boom. <laughs> uh, yes. Don't. Josh, I'm too young. I can't have this many heart attacks. Okay. I need. I'm drinking coffee right now. So everything's elevated. You know, don't want to have to go to the hospital for any sort of cardiac arrest. That, that would be insane. That seems an awful lot like don't make me pull this trigger. Don't. <laughs> No, there's no trigger. There's no, there's, there's no trigger today. No trigger okay. at all. All right. No trigger. No trigger. Um, I'm calm. See. <sighs> Ooh. So calm. Listeners, Tranquil. I'd like you to note that he still has not changed his background from hell from last week. He's, he's still have, in hell. Morgan, they have guided face. meditation on Netflix now. Hmm. Well, I canceled Netflix because I got rid of The Office, so they can take their guided meditation and shove it up their ass. That is the saddest thing I think I've ever heard. They have a show about swear words hosted by Nicolas Cage. How could you get rid of Netflix? (laughs) Oh, it does sound appealing. I'm General Mountain Time Morgan here from Montana, and this is it, Game of the Year. We're going to fly right into it. That's the sound of me flying. It's kind of like an explosion. Yeah. Do bombs fly? I mean, do you, do you call the time from where 
you know, from when they're dropped from the plane to where they land flying. flying. That's falling. That's it's, a descent. It's more like, hmm. honestly, if we're talking like flying, it's like... And you're wondering, what? why would he make that noise? And that's because Morgan is Icarus flying cl too close to the mm. sun. His wax-like wings are starting to melt. <laughs> he's about to plummet right back down to the earth. So that's... Morgan said, I'm... Why that's my, my candles melting noises? at a rapid understand. pace sound. Because I can't that's think what, of any other sound what? a candle would make. Where do you get your candles? <laughs> when is um, the porn shop. <laughs> that's the strangest... I want Every candle I've ever bought in is the Resident Evil 7 4D candle. <laughs> that's it all does. you need. The smell of decay <laughs> is just every flame. just have a closet full of them. Smells like urine and grandma's coochie. It smells like must and dry blood. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so same smells thing. Smells like a family dinner. Before I knew that there was a candle like that, Rich, I actually had a bit on that that I'll have to send you, which is very old and silly, but it was about a glade scent that was Resident Evil 7 scented. See, little did you know, while you were making that joke, I was at my coffee table lighting the candle while I put my headset on. Like, alright, let's do this. Nothing like a VR headset and an open flame. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yep. <laughs> and they wonder why it didn't work out. I thought that Resident Evil... Didn't the collector's edition come with, like, a house or something? Like a... Uh... Yeah, it was a music box of the house. Oh, music box of the house. This was not included with the game. This is a separate purchase. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Did you get that music box thing? No, I did not. All right. I'll have to get it. Anyways, um, shit, I spilled some coffee on myself. It's a great start of the show. All right, so. There you go. Number five for me, uh, games of the year. We'll count down to one, and then we'll uh, hash it out, I guess. Um cool. Um, the order I'm going to go in here, so everyone's prepared, I'm going to go myself, Shay, Josh, and we'll let the newbie round it up, Rich, and the back end. <laughs> Suck it, bitch. Actually, <laughs> Shay was, Shay was so mad was last so week. so hurt from last yeah. time. I so was. Hurt. I was yeah. fucking... I thought we usually rotate it, but no, it's all good. In all seriousness, it's all good. <laughs> it works out because I don't care at all. <laughs> Just say, I thought we usually rotated Shay one more time, please. Suck it, bitch. Oh, oh, the other thing. I thought we usually rotate it. That's what she said. Uh, all right, so... I knew that was coming. <laughs> Hopefully that dies she like in 2020. 2021. Um, it's a new era. A new era with old pain. Number five for me. Some of these, uh, if I want to talk more about another game, I might uh, keep these kind of brief on my end. Um... But yeah, so uh, number five for me is Astro's Playroom on the PlayStation 5. Um, I think Astro's Playroom will be one of those really unique things that pretty much every PlayStation owner will probably remember forever because they get it for free when they buy their new PlayStation. They get to try out all that revolutionary haptic feedback, even though it's not really as revolutionary as VR, but technically it's the newest thing because VR is now gone, weirdly enough. Um and really? Because I got the dongle. Came uh, in the mail the other day. You got? Oh, I All need right. to get mine. It's free, dude. You just gotta ask for I it. I know, but the whole like the asking thing. I need to. I need to get on that. Mm. It's work. They have to fill out a form. That's why they do these things, right? It's like it's like why no one cancels their subscriptions. You gotta go that extra legwork to fucking order the goddamn dongle. I just I mean, need to do. Like I'll do it. Trying to cancel podcast. Xbox Live. Well, they didn't want to spend 65 yeah. extra cents just putting a dongle with every PS5. Uh, what, do you want to bankrupt their hedge fund? Mm. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
that game that's gonna I be a bit this week. <laughs> GameStop, suck GameStop. Am I right? Um, uh, Dogecoin. Okay, Invest in your Dogecoin. Made me lose my train of thought. Oh, um, Astro. I will not make the same mistake I did with Astro with Astro's rescue mission, where I left it off my top five, and I do regret it. Um, no disrespect to Moss, which I love a lot, but I'd probably swap rescue. I probably put Astrobot at five and Moss at six. Um, anyways, the point is, it's actually a great game too. But you'll finish it in an afternoon. But it's a very new thing. It's not even quite like Wii Sports because even though Wii Sports was a pack in for a lot of people, you could still get Wii Sports on its own. Um, I believe, right? Because I went and looked it up. No, you're just... thinking of Wii Sports Resort, which came later. They made a, a different yeah, they game. made a new one. That came with the well, not came with, but was packaged with go, the Motion Plus to go with the uh, yeah the Plus. Um, oh, so people are remotes. just selling their Wii Sports online, but so it's a, a disc cart, and they're probably. just selling it. Yeah, Possibly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it came as a disc. Wii Sports came in the box as a disc. It wasn't yes, preloaded. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think the thing Rich and I were talking about though was the um, Wii Sports Resort, we, which was which was a sequel to show technically. off the Wii Remote Plus. Which had more. Oh yes, yes, I remember that. that. And it was mm-hmm. more of a game. Like there was more in there than there was in Wii Sports. Mm-hmm. Well, and Wii Sports, and that's nothing against it because everyone played Wii Sports forever. It was like a phenomenon. But mm-hmm. no, it was um, great. Played that all through the, college with whoever would wander just in my dorm room, having drinks. Yeah, exactly. Having drinks and playing Wii bowling was a way of life. Yep. Right now, you can buy Wii Sports by itself. On Walmart for eighty dollars. That's a, oh, they're actually they wow. did eventually sell it by itself. Wow, that's crazy. Well, that's maybe weird. they, stopped, they pack- stopped packing it in after. A that's point. A, what I was thinking. They must they have stopped make, packing it in eventually. They did make other bundles later on. I wonder if they just stopped putting Wii Sports in there. With like, yeah, was bundles. Wii Sports not in that Red Mario bundle? Because that's just mm-hmm. the thing. It wasn't like a preloaded thing. They were putting on it by default. It was an actual disc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, but I mean, think about what I think is cool about this game being sort of like a rundown of PlayStation history in summation here, and then we can move on. Is that just imagine if even if something like the Xbox had been able to launch with something like this, where you you are I don't know if you, I guess you play as a Master Chief or something, and you could go through the history of what like it's just such a weird idea to make a game based around showing off your new console while you go through the history of your. All of your product. It's just, a, it, there's it's nothing more like charming it. than you'd expect, I think. And, um, Morgan, one point I, I think I want to make to it is having played more games on the PS5 since, the thing that I think is definitely worth mentioning in this game and why it sticks out, and I'm glad, why I'm glad you put it on your list, is that the stuff it does with Havoc feedback is really cool. And it's more so cool when you've played a bunch of other stuff and see how easy it is to not use that stuff in intuitive ways. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> there's a ton of, like, third-party games on the PS5 that just have nothing interesting to do with it. Um, and it shows you how much care has to actually be put into having that sort of nuance of, like, the you can tell what kind of ground you're running on in that game based off the haptic feedback. Yeah, I, I really think... I think that long-term, we're probably only going to get that sort of... From first party depth games. to it, yeah. For the first, from the first party stuff, from the from the, well, not just first party, but from the the developers that have got like a really close relationship with Sony, like um, uh, Deathloop. Well. They talked about uh, in in Deathloop when your gun jams, it's going to actually lock up the triggers on the PS5, yeah. which is an interesting See, that, idea. That's really cool. Um, but I think for like most most games that are on everything, we're not going to get an awful lot from it because it's just they're not going to put in that much effort. Say okay, just make the rumble exactly the same as every other console 
that mm-hmm. scene's going on. Yeah. So, um, if every section in the game had a boss as good as the last boss, I'd probably be even higher on the thing. Um, but it de- it definitely does feel like you know it's like a couple hours sort of pack in thing, and you got like the one boss at the end. If they um, make a full scale sequel that comes out on the PS5, whew, say oh, like yeah. in the next year or two. Like, I could see that game being a game of the year contender. If they make, like, a Mario 64 scale Astro platformer. It would be interesting to see. You know, Astro is a charming little guy who didn't get his due for the from the VR game, so now everyone gets to play it. So anyways, in summation, the, the, the sucky thing about this is from now on out, anytime I buy a new system, if it doesn't have a, a cute little packing game, I'm going to be disappointed for the rest of my life. Well, let me tell you about the Nintendo 64. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Astro's Playroom is the attaboy from, place, from from Sony for being able to snag one of these goddamn things because they're impossible to get. Um, uh, Shay, what is your number five? Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I was telling the other two before the show that my number five slot was actually really, really, really difficult. Um, the other four were pretty much locked in for a while now, but number five was really difficult. Hades was my number five, and it, it kind of pains me to put it that low, but the other games that I have on my list I enjoyed more. Uh, Hades was a really fun game, and we were all very, very addicted to it. I love that game. I love... We, we talked about it a lot in the past few weeks, so I'll try and keep it succinct. I love the story, and I love the way that it's trickled out to you. Um... The game pretty much knows its difficulty and how how hard it is and it and it specifically has been designed so you play it multiple times you go through the loop many times and that loop never never gets old and if it does you put the game down and you come back the next day and you know what the the way the checkpoint system and the safe system are that you can just literally hop right back into it it's a game made for the switch you can take it on the go or you can play it longer which is awesome so accessibility is a huge factor there but in terms of the story because you the developers knew that you were going to spend a lot of time in that loop that they trickle out story and they do it in a way that is interesting to me uh you're getting information on all these gods you're getting information on their relationship with each other and relationship with you, relationship with your father, Hades, um, your mother, and just the environment in general. And it's it's cool because you you know each character's personality. They're very defined. They're very unique. I think that's really cool. On top of that, um, the boons, which is something we've talked about, is a really, really fun way for you to get at active and passive upgrades to your character. Uh, there's a ton of customizability or customization um, in what you can do with your character, what weapons you use, how you upgrade your weapons, what side items you use to boost yourself, what boons you get, um, what upgrades or power-ups you give your oh, you give Zagreus through your mirror. There's so many ways to customize the character. And it just it's a really fun game. The music's great. The visuals... Um, I really like the visuals. I love Gen Z's art style. I've always loved her art style, but I understand some people are going to think differently. I think it's a really good game. It's really fun. The only thing that kept it from being higher on my list is, um, you know, Morgan mentioned this last week as kind of tongue in cheek. And I agree with him. The fact that, um, 
I couldn't quite figure out how I wanted to play it and get further in the game. That's partially due to my own incompetence, and I fully acknowledge that. But also, for all the accessibility that it has, it's still really difficult to get past Hades the first time. And the fact that Morgan and I both had to use Josh's little hint to get past that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to me, I'm honestly, if I'm being if I'm being honest with myself, that is a little bit frustrating. It was frustrating to try it's and get past Hades the first time. <laughs> but at, <laughs> since then, I've been able to figure things out more, and I've been able to figure out the game a lot more. But to get past that initial hurdle was really frustrating. And I'm not saying I want a game to be easy, but I also want it to feel like there is a point where I, everything will click. And it took someone else telling me something for things to click. So that's yeah. why it's number five yeah. and not higher on my list. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. It took it for, for it to click, it took a while. And then I don't even know. Yeah. But, it's, um, it's the sort yeah. of game that encourages you to really get into theory crafting to figure out how, how different talents are going to kind of interlock to, you know, create synergies that are just going to make you ridiculously strong, um, which right. is something that I'd kind of, I'd had experience from wow before coming into this that have you know kind of let me look into that right away like okay all right i, I, I see how these things are going to kind of like it's it's going to be super important to understand how okay this thing works with this to make you strong enough to just like, crazy rpg systems have yeah. prepared you for this i think my brain kind of works in the same way for similar reasons <laughs> yeah and and without some of that stuff uh, the game will be ridiculously hard um, because it, it is it is tuned around you understanding those synergies. Um, I really want yeah, to... Yeah. Yeah. The one, go ahead. I was going to make a joke about how I want to play a game called Aphrodite, which is just sex all the time. Um, but I decided there not There it is. But then I made it anyway. You know, that's a whole genre. There it is. <laughs> can, can I interest you one, in Midnight Castle Succubus? I know. That was one of the best. That was one of the the best Castlevania likes this year. Also a porn. I know. Game. I, I downloaded it, but then I just jerked off the VR porn instead. And mm. There it is. Um, one last thing I do want to say about the game, and it's kind of kind of to Josh's point, is that the game has also caused me to think about strategy a little bit differently, and it will be transferable to other games that I play that are similar in the style, like a roguelike or an RPG when I'm trying to equip things for synergy, synergistic purposes. This game has definitely opened my eyes and mind a little bit more to that, which is also why I had to put it on my top five list. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. For sure. Cool. Hades making its appearance. First appearance at number five. Josh, what do you got at number five? Can't believe I had to go third. This is ridiculous. I'm sorry, Josh. No. Middle sorry, we're, we're hazing. We're hazing the new guy. The new guy has to go last. Yeah, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. My number turd. five game this year is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, the Will of the Wisps, which is an excellent, excellent game. I I was a huge fan of the first Ori, um, just because it has. I, I love whenever platformers give you a new way to think about moving through a world. And Or in the Blind Forest did that with the, the whole the, the bash mechanic. 
which lets you redirect a uh, like a projectile that the enemies shoot at you and then launch back off of that. And this built on that system in such a satisfying way by adding really deep combat and tying it into the movement in the game by making so many of the movement abilities something you could use um, if not offensively, several of them were, the, were offensively, but if not offensively in ways that were super important to the combat to just help you reposition, make you just more lethal, be able to dodge enemies and then attack back really quickly. Um, like everything worked together in that game. All the systems just felt so cohesive, felt excellent it felt it great it felt great whenever you were platforming it felt great whenever you're using those systems to fight one of the bosses um just one of the best feeling games period um at this point just an excellent excellent platformer um Mm -hmm. and shay and i kind of got into this on the chomping after dark um excellent story excellent narrative to go along with that um the game just it, it's it's absolutely a must play from this year. It is something that you you owe it to yourself to experience. Um, that's that's why it made number five on my list. That's fair, respectable. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. I'm not saying much because it's gonna clearly pop on my, pop up on my list at some point today. <laughs> what? Spoilers. No so way! Get out of here! Spoilers. Um, okay, yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, I didn't play the first game, so somebody will have to tell me what's up with that weird spider thing. I don't know what that guy's deal is. It's like a big fluffy He's thing. He's a weird spider, spider thing. Okay, oh, there you go. Um, weird fluffy, <laughs> weird fluffy spider thing on a raft. Um, okay, Josh is number five, Ori and the Will of the, Will of the Wisps. Fuck. I have, always have trouble with that name. All right, Rich, it's your first... Um, that's gonna be actually the sequel to Will of the Wisps. Will O of the Wisps. Fuck. It's also a sequel to the movie Willow. <laughs> Willow. All right. Uh, so Rich, what is your number five game of the yeah. year? All right, thank you, Rich. All right, so my number four game of the year. No, I'm just kidding. My um, number five game is. Hubert for the PlayStation One. Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's finally he gets his due. Uh, my it's number about five. Damn time. <laughs> is uh Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remastered. Uh Lights out! Gorilla Radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh that's a big part of it for uh the Tony Hawk games especially like the original Pro Skater series. Um just have like a very strong place in my nostalgia of video games of the PlayStation 1 era and this kind of does everything right like I hesitate to say the phrase perfect remake, but this is just so well done. Like beautiful to look at feels better than the way you remember, because what a lot of people aren't realizing is those games take in a lot of the stuff from the later games in the pro skater series and beyond like, uh, the slapping the walls to like reposition and stuff like that. It basically takes everything except for getting off the board, which was the stupidest mistake that franchise ever made. Why did they do Um, that? Yeah. Why, because they wanted that getting off the skateboard belonged in a should be a part of game. the skateboarding game. Yeah, uh, it just 
takes that stuff it and it smartly repurposes it, adds enough new content to keep you intrigued. And I, I downloaded that on my PS5 again once I finally got my PS5. I've been playing more of it. Like it is just really good, and and you could tell you know people loved it because they punished the team that made it by making them a uh, part of Blizzard. So congrats, they'll never oh, make gosh. a game again. It, it's so sad, but you, also like maybe all the Blizzard games moving forward will be that good. The remakes. The the word <laughs> is they're remaking Diablo two. I thought they. Mm, I can't what? wait to get. I'd still you know, like the high score multiplier <gasps> in Diablo two. Neither I totally can I. Diablo four for our most anticipated show. <gasps> what the fuck? Because, oh my god. <sighs> Like that's the, uh, I, uh, not that's the point. Another day. That's a it's different conversation. Um, you have um, to get off the board, Rich, if you want to buy your Mountain Dew and make crank calls. So I don't want to do those things. I just want to skateboard. It's, a, it's an important part of I mean, my childhood. You had to was, during the era it was yeah, made because cell phones were really dorms. a thing. These days, you could do both at the same time. Like, let's be real. Tony Hawk's Underground One is a good game, but the fact that you can get off the board is the stupidest thing in it. I uh, I lived on a military base, Rich, and me and my friend would skate to the dorms, and we would pick through the rocks outside the dorms for, like, cigar butts that airmen would flick out. And But a lot of times, if they were drunk, they would flick, like, half-smoked cigars, and we would just kind of burn the tips to get the germs off, and then we'd smoke. We'd, we'd collect them all up like hobos, and then we'd go smoke cigars and be like, dude, we're cool. We're 16, and we're smoking cigars. And we're that's so cool. where COVID-19 comes from. That was the COVID strain, the New Mexico strain. Um, okay, the, the Tony Hawk makes sense now. Glad we cleared that up radio. for you, Josh. Uh-huh. No, it was, it was some of my best memories, honestly. Um, which is really sad. Uh, all right, so that's the first round. Bing, 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 bing. See? Oh, just like that. Not, not bad at all. Uh, number four for me is Animal Crossing. Um, I didn't want to leave off Animal Crossing New Horizons this year for a couple reasons. I remember when this game came out, and for people that were into it like myself, I remember it brought the world together, and it was a beautiful thing, man. Everyone was playing Animal Crossing. Like It was kind of insane how many people my friends with were playing Animal Crossing right when COVID was really peaking, and... Everyone was kind of diving into something to do that was like communal, but we couldn't leave our homes. And uh, and I hadn't played Animal Crossing game in a long time, and they did a lot of smart um, things with this game, like crafting. Now, granted, the multiplayer was controversial. Uh, again, like anything that gets review bombed, if you <laughs> don't go look at Metacritic. Um, sorry, controversial. I apologize, Shay. Um, there you go. You got it. You got it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the uh, the game is really fantastic. I was so into it. I was like literally buying villagers from people to get the perfect town. And like an insane from- person. Yeah. Like, no, honestly, like I do kind of regret the Battle Buddies about doing that. Um, but my town is perfect. And yeah, that game brought me a lot of joy for, for a long time. And it was nice to get into Animal Crossing again, honestly. I... Um, it was just a really great game, and it came, I think, at a really great time. And it had a great look to it, too, for a Switch game as well, being a Nintendo game. Really polished. Like, if you would zoom up on the on the animals, they almost look like felt at, at times. Like, just very, very detailed. Um, just beautiful thing. Just, it's just a beautiful game. My whole family loved it. My wife got into it for a while, even though she didn't stay hooked for a long time. My kids loved it. Um, it's, it's, it's an adorable thing. So I, I really want to give, it's a shame it didn't do better in our listener polls that we did this year. Um, 
I think our audience definitely skews more toward people that apparently like Doom, <laughs> but not Animal Crossing, mm. sadly. Which it was close, but it was sad. So it's hard to not think of this year for me. I and think, think our dick jokes may kind of self-select for that sort of crowd. I don't know. I like a good uh, dick joke, and I like Animal Crossing. So I, don't I mean, know. Tom Nook definitely likes dick jokes. But um, yes, Tom and I know Nook probably has a calendar that has a new dick joke for every day. <laughs> He hides it from his nephews. That's true. I think the danger with these games sometimes for me is that once I fulfill all my personal goals, I just sort of go cold on it. But that's, I Mm -hmm. think that's like, if I look back at the first couple months I played the game and just sort of discount how much time I spent playing it, I think that'd be a disservice to how much I enjoyed the game. So my number four is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah. No, that's a good choice. That is an excellent game for this year specifically, but, but even discounting that, just an excellent game. Um, yes. Except for the multiplayer stuff, which I know was yeah, not um, ideal for everyone. I, I, well, less, less the multiplayer, but like the, the multi, again, I, I still the execution think the whole, of some of it. Well, like not, not, sorry. I'm, um, the one Island per console thing, I think is kind of a weird choice. Still That's the biggest issue yeah. because yeah. especially with the yeah. switch, it's a home console. This is this is a console you share with people. It is I know it's still portable, but it is a home mm-hmm. console. I do not know anyone who has more than one Switch per household. I'm sure there are people out there, but like I knew tons of people who had more than one 3DS. But like the Switch yeah, I mean, is a sort of thing yeah. you buy one of. At least, at least, I don't know. It's a small yeah, sample size it's... for me, but it's still. I people share it. People share a switch, and it is really frustrating that they did not allow you to make more than one island. Um, because my sister, or sorry, my daughter is still playing a ton of that game, and because I had to, like, I'm I am the mayor of the island. She has to log yeah. into my account to do any sort of the yes, like you know, major island improvements at this point. Yeah, that's uh, annoying. Which, because, like, I played a ton of it, but at this point, it's mostly my daughter that's playing it. And so I just told her she could log into my account whenever she wanted to for for playing that, that game. Reason. And it's really frustrating that you can't just have her own island because she still plays that game constantly with friends. Yeah. Did she talk to the peacock? I've not asked her, but I'm sure the, she did. The, the peacock arrived yesterday for Carnival. Ooh. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I agree with that. That's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I had to stop playing because my kids cr- fucking trashed on my island. Son of a bitches. Um, <laughs> yeah, it helps when my daughter's son, a teenager. Did you say sons of bitches? S- sons of bitches sounds better, but they're not sons either. So they're daughters. We're just all reversing all over the place because the bitch daughters in this bastard. relationship is definitely you daughters. and not the wife. So let's and just also say daughters of bastards. So. Yeah. Daughters of daughters of daughters of bastards. There we go. It doesn't have the same flow. Um, it really doesn't. It doesn't, does it? Yeah, it just doesn't have. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Uh, Shay, what is your number four game of the year? This one pained me to do this, but it also makes a lot of sense. I went with Final Fantasy VII Remake as my number four pick. Um, obviously the the world was expecting not the world, but yeah, the world. <clears throat> They were expecting this game, and they wanted it really badly. And we'd been waiting for years and years for this game to come out. 
And when it finally did, <coughs> when it finally did, it was amazing. Um, the, the, the response that I personally had to the game was, oh my God, it's finally here. And like you guys are saying with Animal Crossing, it came during the time at the, the height of the stay-at-home orders and the pandemic. We didn't really know what was going to happen. And it was, it was a very necessary distraction. It came out right when it needed to, for me especially. Um, hopping back into that world, the, the, the graphical leap from the PS1 to now was obviously a very stark contrast, but to bring that all to life was, words just can't, aren't sufficient to have seen that. You know, you played, we played that game when we were still in elementary school and to get a remake of that now when we're all, besides Rich, in our 30s is, is insane. Uh, it can't be overstated just to see that graphical leap and to see those characters be that much more lifelike. On top of that, the music um, was phenomenal. Obviously, they took a lot of the original tracks and they they reworked them and they retooled them. Some of them are very much just updated versions of the original songs, and a lot of them are reimagined versions of the original songs as well. The music I am highlighting right now because it's Final Fantasy's music has always been at the forefront of why I enjoy that franchise so much. Um, when I think about 7, 8, 10, the th my three favorite games from that series, I always think about the music first. And they nailed it. They nailed it out of the park with this one. Um, they, they upgraded the combat system, or I, I shouldn't say upgraded, they changed the combat system to something that's very different, yet still feels like it belongs in the Final Fantasy world, and it, and it works for Final Fantasy VII Remake. It absolutely does. I really, really enjoyed the combat when I didn't think I would. Um, the original being this kind of uh, taking turn-slash-active hybrid, um, this one was just strictly active. And it really worked. And I was surprised that they even made it work with the summons. That was my biggest question there. Um, I really, I love the characters. I love some of the new characters that they introduced. Some of them, as detailed last week, really fell flat. Um, fuck Roach. Uh, Wait, obligatory is he not your here. favorite? He's, he's not. He's not indeed. Um, We're talking yeah, about Geralt's I, I horse, really, right? Yes. I love what, how they oh, extended. Oh, that gives a good idea for a poll. Roach versus that would Roach. Be. Hold on. It's true. Um. I love how they Roach extended the, the, the uh, first 10 hours of the original game. Because for me, I always felt like there was so much that I didn't know about um, Sector 7, or not S Sector 7, just Midgar in general. All of it. And they really expanded upon it, and they made it seem lifelike. They bre breathed life into the city to make it actually feel real. Where in the original... I felt like there could have been a lot more work done there. Uh, the yeah. thing that kept it from being higher on my list, because I absolutely love this game, 
And as Rich and I have both talked about multiple times throughout the year, we actually cried throughout various segments of this game. Um, is that the story, while it's largely true to the original up to a certain point, and they actually integrate parts of Crisis Core and parts of Advent Children in there, that they took some really interesting sharp turns that really didn't work with me. Um, the, the, the spirits that fly around throughout the game are incredibly, incredibly detracting for me. And it really, the fact that they just kept coming up and kept coming up and kept coming up, even though they have a purpose, just was not my thing, was not my thing. It didn't work for me at all. And even if you separate it from the source material, it just was incredibly detracting for me to constantly, anytime something's happening to have these black spirits just flying everywhere and just constantly popping up really it didn't it wasn't effective in um amping up the anxiety level amping up the what the fuck is going on all it did for me was these fucking things again these fucking things again how many fucking times do i have to see these things and it really continued to rub me the wrong way um that being said, a lot of the other turns that they made towards the end, I won't reveal it, I won't spoil them. Um, as you're getting towards the end, if you played the original game, they definitely deviate. And I think it's really cool that they do deviate because it allows them to tell a different story. And if you don't want that different story, the original is still there. I'm really excited for where the, the potential of where the story is going to go, as long as they minimize the amount of ghosts <laughs> that we have to deal with. I know it sounds like such a minute thing to get picky about, but really it's that detracting for me. Uh, they aren't ghosts. They're guardians of the time stream. Mm. <laughs> ghosts don't really give a fuck about the time stream. They're already dead. You should have, Dredge, you should have, you should have pushed the glasses back. They're guardians of the time stream, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have plenty to say when, I, I don't know if you noticed how quiet I kept it. Maybe it's because this is on my list somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's always the fun oh, game. Surprising. It's shocking. Surprising. Oh. But no, I I wanted to put it higher because obviously I'm such a big fan of the original. Um and I was such a big fan of this game. But as I reflected on it throughout the year, some of the story choices and some of the new introduced character choices really, really just there's no way that I could comfortably put it higher on the list because those things really, yeah. really have stuck with me through this year the good and the bad so number four final fantasy 7 remake hashtag team roach fair enough cool cool final fantasy 7 remake make his first appearance uh number four with shay uh joshua fowler number four on your list number four on my list is bug snacks the delicious treat yeah did you finish that game I did finish it, yeah. Are you it talking is... to me? <laughs> Sorry. They're not, del- I know, they're not actually delicious, but they're dark and addictive. Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. This a- is anyway, um, it is, it is, we mentioned this at the time, it is Pokemon Snap adjacent. Um, it, it is, it is Pokemon Snap like. Um, the, the. Pokemon Snap into a Slim Jim. They they did a lot of really cool things with the way I tried the mechanics kind of kind of work like it it feels very much like Pokemon Snap in the way that you're kind of solving a puzzle to 
catch certain creatures sort of the same yes. sort of sort of way which is not something that the, the like the mainline pokemon games have yes you know you just like a random chance to encounter something but it's like um in pokemon snap you've got a you've got to figure out how to encounter certain yeah creatures in pokemon I think, snap the puzzle is figuring out how to make a pokemon appear to take a picture and bug yeah. snacks it's how do you make this how do you get this um bug snack in a state of capture and exactly. forcing them to interact with each other a lot of the time to do so, which is yeah, cool. which is something that I'd like to see them bring to the main Pokemon, you know, series because that has always been the coolest thing. Like, okay, okay, like they've got all this lore about these Pokemon, but they just randomly appear. Um, if there were actually mechanics to encounter the Pokemon you wanted to encounter, that would be really cool. Um, and that's something well, that I've it makes you think about. of Monster Hunter in the same way. Exactly, like, exactly. That's it's what's so cool sort of... in Monster Hunter world is watching the monsters. Like you're in the middle of trying to take down this Anjanath and it starts fighting one of the other monsters. Like AI on that level is intriguing in these worlds. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have absolutely, I loved this one for um, kind of allowing you to interact with the, uh, with the creatures kind of on any more personal like direct level uh just because of the way the game actually works not being on rails not being combat focused but just being mm-hmm. about the way you're able to catch them which i thought was really cool um i think they did a really good job with that they did a really good job narratively of giving you a reason to be there giving you um you are you are a journalist who is there to figure out What's going on with this essentially, like, cult that has moved this island to... Snacktooth Island? Yeah, to move to, move to Snacktooth Island to, to figure out, um, you know, why, why all these people have come here and done that. Which I think gives you a really good excuse to just get info dumps, because you'll Poking just... prod at things, too. Yeah, you'll just, you'll just interview people. Like, why did you come to Snacktooth Island? Um, it's the sort of stuff that, like, in other games, these info dumps would be weird, but because of the the way it's framed, because you are a journalist trying to come here to get the story, um, I think it does a really good job of letting you kind of get as much information from these people as they're willing to give you, which I think is really cool, because, like, each character is kind of, they will do that interview with you at different points. Um, like dip- some of them will give you the interview like right away and some others will be like, you'll, you'll need to do a ton of other stuff for them. Well, no, no, it's uh, um, the interview is always whenever you get them to come to the town. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but again, some of them, some require more prodding. Oh, to get okay. to that point. you know what I was thinking in terms of pretty much all of them have a shit ton more stuff you can do for them once they are back in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, that involves like seeing their arc all the way through. Uh, but yeah, you are, you are correct in that, in that point. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job of allowing you to get those info dumps and still feel like you're in the world. Like, why would some random person be telling me all this stuff? Well, it's because you asked them. Um, Anyway, like, I I feel like it did a really good job of allowing, A, the world feels natural because of the way all the different creatures interact with each other, and then B, like, the story feels natural because of the way you're getting these info dumps from them. the framing mm-hmm. device yeah yeah like i feel like i feel like they did a really good job of allowing you to feel like you're a part of this world um which yeah. is and where do you land on the grumpinati <laughs> the grumpinati 
Oh. Very fucking strange last boss encounter, too. Very that, weird. The end mm-hmm. of that game is... Mar- <laughs> That game swings in a direction you do not see coming, and I love. We need to do the chopping after dark for that. Yeah, no. Did any no, direction like of the it, game it goes swing that you full fucking Metal Gear Solid at the end? Yeah, it is fucking insane, and I don't know why we haven't done it yet. But I very yep. much think we should do a chopping after dark for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Bugsnax making its first appearance for Josh at number four with a surprise. Treat. Speaking of treats, this next. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Rich, what is your number four? My number four game of the year is uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. What? That's number four? Oh yeah. my god! What? You thought it'd be higher? Well, you just kept saying game of the year, game of the year. You remember? It's a it's a great game. It's uh, listen. I look at my game of the year list a bit more objectively because this is the first time in a long time I'm making a list where the order actually matters. Um, okay. <laughs> for years I used to do here in my 10 favorite games uh, that game is really fucking good in terms of like I won't gush about it for too long but I love that series on the whole uh, this one takes a a good job of onboarding people while not forgetting it's past and also swinging for the fences and trying something totally different that I think mostly hits uh it avoids getting very grindy. There was a little bit of grinding towards the end that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and the story is just straight up bananas. Uh, in a way that's not difficult to follow, but you feel like there's these... In the way that series has been in the past, where all of a sudden you're being inundated with information, and it's being relayed to you by George Decay, so you can't look away. Um, <laughs> it is... It's just a crazy game that goes to crazy places and manages to tread that middle line that this series always has of the incredibly absurd bouncing to the incredibly serious crime drama. And once that PS5 version comes out, I'm probably going to play it again. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I think you said you were like, might as well just wait for the PS5 version. I'm excited to play the PS5 version. Of that I game. really am excited. Like, I might try and, time permitting, might try and play it again when that happens just so I can kind of talk with you about it as you're going through it because that is a great game and I want to try and get the platinum trophy about that game and like other GRB just the time commitment is so terrifying for me I put like 80 hours into it oh god yeah I mean I I really wanted to play that game this year to have a conversation with you about it but just the amount of hours is scary you know like I we all put a lot of hours into various games this year and I was like I don't know where I'd have the time to fit into this game like i really wanted to because i know you talk so highly of it just i didn't that, know where the time yeah. time would come from it's daunting and i get that it's just that that series is something special and i will always kind of give it praise because there's nothing quite like it and they tried something very different here and i still think retained the dna of what uh makes yakuza unique but yeah went a totally different direction with combat that I think isn't perfect, but it still mostly works and even has in-universe justifications for why the combat is different, uh, which feels like something they didn't need to go the extra mile with, but the change in combat is all related to the fact that Ichiban Kasuga is your protagonist and it's about him and who he is. It's cool. It's cool that 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 resonated so well with you because I remember you were kind of skeptical of it 
when it was announced and we were talking about it. But also what's kind of cool is that um, I know that the first three, I believe, it's one, two, and three, are going to be coming to Game Pass in a remastered no. version here in the next um, few weeks. Three, four, and five. One and two. Sorry, three, four, and five. Yeah, one and two got full-on remakes that are all, I believe, might already be on there. I think they are. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, they're all, and they're all there at this point. I think I checked, a few, and Josh just said, but I'd seen them a few minutes ago. Uh, the Yakuza Remastered Collection, which is three, four, and five. You could play pretty much all that series on Game Pass at this point, I think. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. Okay, cool. Yeah, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, my number three, I don't need to say a lot about it because Shay already talked about it. It would be Hades. Um, I had the same criticism Shay did pretty much as far as difficulty goes. I just, it never really clicked with me. But um, I described it as having like sex for a month but never reaching orgasm. And then the one time I did, it felt really awkward and weird. And because you had to call your friend to help, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, the, and the dog jumped on the bed and licked my asshole right as I was coming. It was very strange. Well, close the door um, next process time. to even get Panda Express at this point. Like, you've got to you got to do an online order and then go through the drive through. It's it's weird these days, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my Panda yeah. Express is in a mall. How do I drive through that? Mm-hmm. Um, COVID has made yeah, this all really difficult. I've always been really obsessed with randomization, so it was just cool to see like them build the roguelike, this roguelike genre around everything in that game basically being randomized so that every uh, trip through the game is, and in your little hub world too, is you know changing in some way to keep it fresh. And fishing! And it had fishing in it, which I really applauded them having that little touch um, because I loved like fishing here and there during my runs. So, uh, we've already covered it pretty, pretty well, but I, and I, str- I still struggled with even putting it on my list where it was because I really enjoyed my time with it, but I just wasn't able to even beat it. So it's just one of those really frustrating things. But, but when I was honest just with myself, I was it. like, I was like, you know what, when this comes out on PS4, I will, or PS5 eventually, which I hope it does, I'd probably still go through and try to get all the trophies because that because i enjoyed it so we'll see um shay what is your number three my number three pick um i was surprised that it made it down the slope because i thought it was going to be a little bit higher was ghosts of tsushima was my number three pick and i i thought it was going to be number two up until probably towards the very end of the year I absolutely love this game. It's very, very stylistic uh, in terms of the art direction and um, the combat. And I, re- I really, really like that. Obviously, if you're a fan of... Um, what's I'm forgetting his name. I'm sorry. What's his name, Rich? Oh, God. Now I'm... Shin Sakai? Fu- no, 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 no. no the, the main character. The, the uh, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Ooh, the art style. Yeah, oh, the, art style? Yes. the film. Thank you. The film director. Yeah. Thank you. If you're a fan of his style, you will be a fan of this game. And even if you're not, if you have any kind of fascination for J- Japan or Japanese landscape, Japanese nature, you will absolutely love this game. Obviously, it resonates with me, probably in different ways than it does with the three of you, just because I live in Japan, and that's such a big thing. Obviously. If you can relate to exactly what's going on with something, then it's going to resonate with you more. 
And for me, it absolutely yeah. did. When you see, um, when you go into certain env environments and there are leaves falling, and it's these super vibrant colors, and you're like, well, yeah, that's really beautiful. How realistic is that? I promise you guys, and I know I've talked with you guys about this, and this is just for the general population, it's realistic. The leaf changing events in Japan are insane and gorgeous, and there's nothing like it. Uh, when you come across areas in the game where there are sakura or cherry blossom blooms, it's just like that. I promise you guys. So it's it's insane that stylistically it's so close to reality. But on top of that, one of the things that I have so much respect for this game is the developers. Um, I talked about this. They actually went to the island twice and did research about the event they're talking about in the story because they wanted to do it justice. They didn't want to do any kind of appropriation or any kind of uh, misrepresentation. They wanted to get as accurate as they could while also informing the people involved that they would probably also be taking a little bit of... Um, a little bit of a different direction just for the purpose of cinematics and story. And I think that's awesome. I think that's really cool that they actually went to the island to do research. It's very that cool. being said, I really love the story here. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week. If you only play just the main story, obviously it's going to feel a little bit disjointed. But I, I feel like the game prompts you to play all these side missions. Because it yeah. all funnels back into the main story so effortlessly. With a lot of other games that I've played in the past, when you do side missions, it doesn't always feel like there's a purpose, that it's funneling back into the main story. And to a lesser extent, that's true here. There are some side missions that don't funnel back into the main story, but most of them do. When you are interacting with the other main side characters, like Norio or... Um, Lady Misaki. No, Masaki. Lady Misaki. Yes. Ko. Masa Masako. Masako. Yeah. yeah. Yes. All of that funnels back into the main story. Those characters pop back into the main story in some regards. You do some side missions with Yuna and her brother, and that funnels back into the main story. It all funnels back, and it it gives you this rich history and understanding of the island and the characters and the players involved and it's really impactful i i loved that and i talked about it a little bit in the past that this game also came out during the pandemic and it really for me i was going through a rough time in my life and this game gave me some perspective on certain things and allowed me to start viewing my life a little bit differently and for me that's not always going to be the mark of what's a, an amazing or a great game because that's such a personal experience. But this being my personal list, this is the perfect time to mention that. You know, I was going through very difficult parts of my life. And when you sit down and you do certain sequences, such as um, the haikus in the game, or you sit down and you go to the hot springs or the onsens, the natural onsens in the world, and you kind of meditate and reflect on various parts of the game and life in general it really caused me to start wanting to do that in my own life to just kind of sit down and stop just constantly plugging into youtube or music think about your uncle or netflix 
Netflix, yeah, and think about my uncle, Lord Shimura. Um, but no, just really think about my own life and start being more reflective about myself and the things that are happening around me and to start taking some time to just relax and exist and not get so stressed out and hung up over everything. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love this game. Um, as we talked about a little bit last week, the combat isn't the most amazing thing in the world. It's, it's depending on who you are, serviceable to great. Uh, there are moments that it's great and there are moments for me that it was serviceable in terms of the camera angles being rough. Um, that being said, there are a lot yeah. of different things they do with the combat that make it really fun. Yeah, pro, Overall, pro tip, I, if you're going through this game, try to never fight anyone inside a tent. Take them outside, your life will be infinitely better. That's also If true. it comes that's to a fight, true. you can stealth kill away inside a tent, yeah. but if, if it comes into a fight, walk out the door, let them follow you out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're, be- you're better off alerting the whole camp and fighting them that way than trying to fight someone in a tent. Use yeah. the button That's that lets you true. call them all out. Makes mm-hmm. you let you call them call them all small children and then they come out to fight you. Yeah. But um yes, exactly. Yeah. No, the the whole giving you time and kind of pushing you towards doing the side quests, I feel like is something they did really well in this game. It's something that oddly enough, um, it's, it's, it's not going to come up later. So I'm going to bring it up now. Um, Spider-Man miles Morales. I feel like they did a good job. It's going to come up later. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll wait then, but some um, would say it's going to come up very soon. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll give it a moment. I'll give it a moment then. Yeah. Uh, we'll right, get cool. back to this. I'm, I'm pretty much I'm, done here. I'm like, really excited to play the multiplayer with you guys because, like I said, I wasn't even as high on the game, and like I am like absolutely in love. The only reason I haven't played more of the multiplayer is because I want to play. It's yeah. basically team based. I've re-downloaded like, more of that. I, I I do want to play some of that with you now that you are you are finding yourself into it. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's team based. Basically, imagine how crazy that art style is in the game, right, Shay, and how beautiful it is. But like, imagine it's like supernatural, like blood. Well, it embraces and, like, yeah, demons the and shit. more fantastical like, side of like oni and stuff like that. Like, it's which crazy. Seemed, the mythological yeah. side of Japan. And I guess they I get say. rid of all the stance stuff from the combat in the in the re- in the regular game, and it's all based on team abilities. So like, if you're the the Ronin class. You have a special ability that uh, brings people back to life if they die. Um, but you also just like use, real like, Ronin. You use range attacks and stuff like that. But like, I'm playing an assassin character that specializes in. Um, th- I don't want. I'm not gonna climbing get towers. This isn't. That's not what this podcast is about. You, you spec into um, cowardice. <laughs> spec into cowardice. Um, <laughs> my point is just that, like, even though it still has this general feel of the combat from the game, it's totally different in implementation. And it gets me really excited about um, what they could do in the future. So, yeah, it's cool. it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, if I'm this high on it, and you you know that you guys will probably love it more than likely. But the, I'd love to play with you guys because you has an amazing tutorial too. Fantastic tutorial to get you into all the classes. So much fun. Um, anyways, that is uh, Shay's number three. Goes to Josh. What is your number three? My number three this year is Kentucky Route Zero. Um, which I had a hard time (laughs) figuring out where to put this one, honestly, because I absolutely love this game, but it has kind of been part of my life for years now. 
with the way they have episodically brought out just like me little chunks of this world. It's so it's it's something that I've had way more time to kind of kind of marinate in the world. Um, it's but, like a television show you've been watching for seven seasons or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, sort of. But, <laughs> yeah, now that it is finally all out and the way they have wrapped it up, it, it is, this is, this is one of the few games of the generation that you just, you need to play. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it is, it, it feels like a great American piece of art um in the way it 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 tells a story um it is it is it's got a, it it is a low poly art style um which i think is something that we're we're kind of starting to see people do well um i i feel like this game kind of has has pushed people towards it um there's been a ton of retro gra- retro games that have kind of gone with the okay, we're gonna do pixel art, but like, what if they could do whatever they wanted to on the Super Nintendo instead of being forced into this very rigid framework? Um, and so we've gotten a lot of really just absolutely beautiful pixel art games, stuff from like Owlboy, um, and 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 games like that where they've taken this this concept. And, kind and of pushed push, it to its limit. Yeah, pushed it to its limit. And I feel like Kentucky Route Zero is a game that has done that for the PS1 aesthetic. Like what I was gonna say, even for like scum engine stuff mm-hmm. is almost what it feels like to me. Like what if they had no limitations on Monkey Island? Exactly. Um and this game has done such an amazing job of giving you um kind of kind of a really pared back aesthetic because it is it is low poly like i said before but it's done just this amazing poetic world that they've given you um it is it is very much let's look at kind of rural america and what is going on there what 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 are the struggles that are have been and are currently and at this rate indefinitely going to be the problems with rural America. Um, and this game addresses that in a really human and a really insightful way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is just, I absolutely loved my time with it. I feel like the characters just, they feel real. Like it is, it is a very, <sighs> iconic sort of game. Like it, it feels like these are, these are the sort of characters that can stand for, for this, you know, this part of America that, that doesn't really get talked about all that much. It, it either, it either becomes the butt of a joke with like, you know, like you may be a redneck if, or I, I, I've absolutely loved this game. It is, it is a game that I kind of have, have spent years meriting like I said before, but then kind of, it, it took me a while to finally get around to finishing this game. 
um, this year, but I've absolutely loved it once I finally took the time to get around to it. Because um, the game kind of, it, it, it asks more of you than a lot of games this year because it is... I mentioned before it's poetic, but it, it's poetic in, in the sense that it requires you to interpret it. There is not an awful lot to this game that is just like... Spelled out for you? Spelled out, yeah. There is an awful lot here that is like they will have images that come up from chapter to chapter that are barely touched on each time, but that mm-hmm. kind of build a world, build a picture of what they're trying to make you experience just piece by piece each time you experience a little bit more of it. Um, like this, this game feels like it requires more of you than an awful lot this year. I think, I think it did an excellent job. Um, just of being just a, an absolute piece of artwork, uh, this year. Excellent. Looking forward to, Looking forward to the sequel, Kentucky Route One. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into. This. I'm trying to get my. I'm see my wife's interested in playing it, so I can hopefully play it the correct way this time. Because I do want to. Yeah, play play the actual actual chapters instead of the, uh, yeah. the interludes this time. That might like the, make a like slight the difference. Game. Yeah. You might like it more. Uh, Rich, what is your number three game of the year? <laughs> my number three, believe it or not is uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Part of me was like, what if I just removed it now and just never brought it up again? (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, it's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, This one I ended up putting on this list sort of last minute, but I was thinking about it more and more. I beat this fucking game three times. Uh, (laughs) Good God. I I liked the original Insomniac Spider-Man quite a bit. And you know what probably made me realize um, how much I like this one was going back to play a little bit of the original Spider-Man Remastered and realizing I love that game. This one just feels so much better than it. Yeah. Um, and I think it all comes together and like just off the bat. And I think part of this is how much more skill tree stuff there is in the original and how much of the stuff that Miles sort of has off the bat comes like hours into the original game. Swing, moving through that city feels better off the bat like it just feels amazing um miles dials back on some of the gadget abilities but a lot of his actual combat abilities like his venom strike and that sort of stuff um just feel really good in combat i think the smaller more focused bite-sized story they tell here is a really interesting one and a really well done coming of age story for miles it it feels like the formula from that original Insomniac Spider-Man game scaled down, granted, but just sort of perfected and has me more excited than ever to yeah. see where they go forward from here because everything from the feel to the look to the attitude of this as a Spider-Man game is just like hitting all the right notes. And I uh, have a very soft spot for Spider-Man as a character. Oh, yeah. This is an excellent game, and and getting back to what I was heading into last time, you had some point time, to make. Um, this game, in certain story beats between, like, um, you know, in a lot of games, it'll be like, oh man, we've got to track down this person or whatever, and then the next story is immediately them tracking them down. It does a good job of like 
if you have a story mission that's like, okay, we need to find this person. We need to find this whatever. Like we're, we're, we're unsure of exactly where to go. The next segment of the game in Miles Morales will have you do side missions. They will essentially give you like an, almost like an act break. Where the it's first like, okay, game go do some too. side missions until your intel can track down this location. You're What's going to on? Mm, yeah, it, it, so it, it feels spins less out like filler kind of a thing. Is yeah, that and also it spins out like in that nature. And this is something the first game did really well as well. To be quite honest with you, it's sort of the way it uh, unfurls that content, the way it mm-hmm. doles it out to you is like, all right, here's this mm-hmm. new side activity, and you have access to like every single one of them. And I ended up doing the same thing with the original one, and they were on such a larger scale because it was a larger game. Yeah. So you think about like, you do like three missions in the first Spider-Man game. And then they're like, Oh, here are these old backpack collectibles that Peter's left around the city over his, you know, almost a decade of being Spider-Man. I'm like, damn, guess I'm going to go find 50 backpacks before I do the next story. Yeah, mission. Exactly. And I would do just that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's paced OCD a little better a here because it's not, like because you the get, content you get is smaller the new thing and then there's like you said 50 new items to go find I feel now there's like, like 15 to 20 yeah exactly it 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 feels i really like the pacing of this game it's just it's a yeah. smaller spider-man game but i feel like overall it it works because you get these moments where it's like okay you're not supposed to immediately go on to the new mission um it's supposed to give you time to feel like you are spider-man like well there's it, there's it stuff handles... going around going on around the city that you need to solve unrelated to your own personal mission like well that city needs the... help yeah and beyond that it also does what i think spider-man stories are at their best when they're doing is it layers that in with the like human element of it which again mm-hmm. i'll give credit where credit is due the first game did well as well like the whole point of it being like oh shit we have a lead on the tinkerer but like oh are we going right after the tinkerer no i have to go to christmas dinner at my mom's house yeah because i'm spider-man and i need to balance my uh you know real life as miles morales with being spider-man yeah 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 i i feel like i feel like again i loved the first one but i feel like this smaller story worked really well benefits the the type of character development and the and it benefits the side content in a big way like you said it makes it feel because i had the same urge to i'm gonna do this immediately but it felt less bogged down by it and granted i was still doing it either way but it is still bogging you down (laughs) yeah yeah because it felt like like you could go do all the side content and it wasn't such a huge commitment that you are taking away from the pacing of the game to go do all that Yes, yeah. they were aware that you guys have OCD and they were looking out for you. Well, to be yeah. fair, I wouldn't <laughs> do it with the speed I did if it didn't feel so damn good to move around that city. Yeah. Ooh, love a good swing. Um, okay, cool. Miles Morales coming in at number three for the Richmeister. All right, we're getting down to the top here, boys. This is where I get to drop the first bomb of the show. Glad I could do that. Um, to just break up all everything organized Peggle into two. a fray of, a fray of chaos. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has made the list here. Well, hold on. I thought early access games weren't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this. Uh, I always try to make room on my second spot on every list for whatever reason for a game that's very flawed but I really enjoyed. I honestly look. 
I know we disagree on this. I think me and Shay ended up playing it like obsessively for like a month, and I know you guys didn't get as into it. Um, to me, it was both disappointing and amazing at the same time. I uh, and and flawed. I will say this: playing the play, the PC version helped my conscience a little bit because you know my PlayStation version crashed like twenty times. Um, yeah, just like sex with me, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> disappointing, but amazing. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. How is that even possible? Um, <laughs> it's, That's I, what we're I, trying to figure out. I think the reality of this game is, even though it's not revolutionary, the re- I think a lot of it has to do with expectation. Like, I'll give you an example. My expectation, and this is kind of a summation of many things I feel about the game. My expectation of the dating simulation elements in the game they sort of previewed were going to be, I thought I was going to be living this life where I was in my apartment and I was calling a different people that I had built relationships with. And I was like, really felt like I was in this cyberpunk world and I was living like a simulation, like sim elements, you know? And it, it didn't end up being anything like that. But what they did was they focused on like four primary characters and they made those relationships really, really good. Like, uh, like my relationship with Judy and all the, so like on one hand, even though it wasn't what I sort of anticipated, what they actually gave me was really, really cool and, and really interesting. And I feel sure. like a lot of elements in the game to me feel that way. Um, it's not irredeemable. It's just to, to me, I, I found there to be more bad than good. Well, not even necessarily bad, more unremarkable than it than exceptional and the rest was sort of bogged down by the stuff that was just broken or incomplete. I think the thing I don't really feel as hardcore defending this game necessarily because I know that the mm. technical issues have sort of marred the perception of the game and and that's CD Project Red's fault. Um it's nobody else to blame but them, but I feel like the most remarkable things about the game rich are would be like the city and and the art and I think those things were so big for me that they like, here's the deal. Like, the combat is not remarkable, but it's enjoyable. I mean, like, you you know, it's an enjoyable time. Like, that's, I enjoyed it more than the Witcher combat. And that's, and that's fucked up because I think the Witcher combat is technically probably better. But, like, just from an enjoyment standpoint, I would rather shoot and loot in, in this game, you know? Yeah. I'd rather cast Quen. Hey, I, <laughs> I think this is better than the combat in the Witcher. Well, in okay. that, well, I, 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 I don't think that's actually a tough argument to make because it's a pretty by the numbers shooter with RPG elements. Like yeah. it's, it, the combat well, works. I think for they what are both is. exceptionally standard, but I feel like exceptionally standard mm. works slightly better with a shooter than with RPG yeah, combat. Yeah, that that's fair. That's totally fair. I yeah, I think that that was the thing. Like I, whenever I got into a shooting conversation, I, I I enjoyed myself, and I think that's because I think the guns feel surprisingly good, and I think that the nostalgia. Well, I put this in my review as someone who grew up with like the Deus Ex games. I really like that nerdy shooter where yeah. you hack stuff and you, you know, it's yeah. I, the, I like the RPG elements in in the shooter. I'm with you. Yes, I, I like the RPG. I like the numbers in my shooter. I Wait, like did I tell the, you about this game called Fallout New Vegas? It's I like the upgrades and I like yeah and that's a that's a great game too but uh, that's the stuff that makes the shooting more interesting to me so uh, and like me and Shay were talking about on the chomping after dark yes a lot of those side quests can feel a little empty but there's always a little world building in there that to me the only issue I had was the time I just didn't have as much time to put into the game as I would have liked um, and yeah. here's the thing I popped it in the other night and then I'll shut up here. I popped it in the other night literally. And I was just trying to recount how I felt about the game. The first thing I saw when I turned the game on 
It was raining and I turned and there was a giant green glowing fucking samurai neon sign in between two giant skyscrapers. And I was like, fuck, this game is so cool. Like, I forgot how cool everything in this game looks. Um, it's just it's just an awesome game in an awesome world. And and uh, I think, honestly, if you tell someone you have a time capsule and you're not going to send this game back in that time capsule of games they should experience, I'd be really disappointed. If it was me getting that time. I capsule. mean, yeah, yes, but also you'd have to send it back with like a hundred gigabyte download as well, and that'd be hard <laughs> and to a put, big, That'd be hard to put in a in a time capsule, and a big notebook that starts with. Okay, so hear me out. <laughs> True, I I didn't put it on my top five, but I do think that there's a lot of fun to be had in this game. I do agree with you, Morgan, that the I don't know if it's necessarily the art style per se. Or just, um, I guess it would be. I, I never know the, the differentiation between those things. But I really do like that the city does create a vibe. It does. And when you're out of the city, there's a distinct vibe as well. Even if it's just dirty and dusty and full of trash. I mean, there are significant vibes there. And I think the game does that really well. I I really did enjoy my time with the game. I... I didn't put it on my top five because I kind of had to separate. Am I having fun because of the game itself and the choices that the game has made? Or am I enjoying it because I just enjoy the style of game? And as I thought about it more, which coincidentally is good that we waited until January to, because we were going to talk about this game, is that I realized that I did enjoy certain aspects of this game a lot and certain choices that they made, but I enjoyed this game a lot more because of the general loop of the game. And I enjoy that a lot. You know, I enjoy the fallout games a lot and it has that similar loop. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if the game didn't have as many of the issues that it had and some of the things that we talked about previously were fixed, such as the map issues or the amount of missions that just you're doing them just to do them. I think I would have enjoyed the game. Uh, the game would have been on in my top five. I still think it's a really fun game despite all the issues. And I think that it, if they're given the chance, CD Projekt Red can turn this into an amazing game. Um, right now, in its current form, though, it, it doesn't belong in my top five. But I can understand why other people would feel that way. I still think it's a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I like... I think if you'd have played... Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I, I feel like, uh, oddly enough, a, a lot of the issues not like the like the bug related issues but like the the game pacing issues could have been solved by having way more missions show up later on as you did more of the story because i feel like after the it's really front loaded yeah like you you hit the main title screen after you do the intro to the game and it gives you so much side content immediately after that. Um, that It's overwhelming for sure. Yeah, like I feel like they needed like, I don't know, 10 missions. 10 missions right after that intro sequence. And then make you do some story stuff and then give some more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have done some, like it's always, it's always an, with an open world game like this how you dole out the story mission or the, the side quests is, is a big question mark from game to game. But I feel like there is just infinite amount of stuff as, as soon as you get out of that intro part of the game. 
Um, and I feel like they, again, I, I feel like they did that better in some other, some, some other open world games this year did a better job of that. Um, and I kind of would, right. I would have liked to see some of that side quest pacing in this game. Yeah. And that sucks because they had the city and the look of the game and, and everything working for it, but they just went with a very sort of traditional kind of open world thing. And that's it's, but it, I still feel like it was very ambitious in like at least scale, but yeah, it was, you know, not revolutionary by any means. And, uh, that's too bad. That's too bad. I, I, you can't help but think as much as I love this game and I can't, and I think honestly, Shay, when the PS five version drops, if you eventually have one, because I played through on PC on ultra and it looked gorgeous. Um, and I did not have, weirdly enough, I was lucky. I did not have any technical issues really on PC. Um, I still think the game is flawed, but I didn't have any technical issues really to stand out. But um, my point being is that I think the PS5 version by then will be a really cool thing for a lot of people. And honestly, there's like, I still have like half the content in that game that I didn't do because there's just too much of it. So, so I have a lot of stuff waiting for me if I want to jump back into it. Um, and also Judy... <laughs> Pan Am. Hey, they're all great. They're all great. You know, Judy Pan Am. Uh, even that guy I forgot his name already, but he was cool too. River. River. Yeah, there we go. River. Rivers is cool too. Um, Rivers Cuomo. Number two, Shay Layton. Beverly Hills. Hills. Woo! That's where, where I, want I want to be. be. I. Rivers Cuomo joke. Gimme, gimme. He actually wrote the song yeah, Stupid. That that girl. just showed our cool. age right there. <laughs> I got my hash uh, my... pipe. Go ahead, sorry. That's a great song. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whoa! My number two oh, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Mute your mic, sir. Well, that was the thing. Mm. Okay, sh- I'm shutting up now, Shay. Okay. Go ahead. Weezer moment finished. My number two. It can fell. Um, I did not expect to like this game as much as I did, and it stuck with me. Uh, I've talked about all, this game a ton, so I'll try again and keep it succinct here. The story is amazing, first and foremost. The, the pacing of the story is amazing. The characters involved in the story are, are amazing, and the story itself is really fascinating. Obviously, there is some overlap and some inspiration from Harry Potter, but then it really starts to define itself outside of that. And it really starts to become its own thing. The characters are very well written. Um, I, I loved each and every character in this game for very different reasons. And they are, again, kind of the same thing I said about Hades. They're very defined in who they are. They, have, they each have their own personalities. And you're rooting for all of them in some way, shape, or form. I really love the characters in this game a lot. Uh, the art style is very retro, harkens back to original Zelda, and I love that. Obviously, I love retro, being as old as I am, a thousand years old, that I love that retro style. The music is sublime in this game. Absolutely sublime. Um, I bump the soundtrack from time to time in my personal life. I absolutely love this game. I love this game so much that I forced someone else in my apartment building a friend of mine to play it and i sat down and i watched them play it and they moved out at various points of time when they were in the game and i actually made them check in with me hey have you been playing the game today how far did you get 
I was I was that adamant about it because I love this game so much. Um the 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 wonder in the game and just like the the innocence in a lot of the characters and how it develops is so fascinating. The humor in it's great. The the messages in it are fantastic. Uh obviously there's some heartfelt deeper meanings spread throughout the game and I think they're all poignant. Um trying to think there's something else i really wanted to say about the game oh one big thing and i know this is going to come up later um i have no idea who will bring it up but one of the things in in 2020 was that we got a triple a game that integrated a trans character into the game and an lgbtq spectrum relationship i don't know if that's a right way to word that i apologize if it's not and i think that's great i think that's important for triple a games to be doing that and i think that's when that's brought up by whomever brings it up i think that's good i think that's a positive thing for that conversation it's a positive conversation that we should be having this game obviously it being smaller and i have the onus to try and convince others if you are at all a supporter of that movement, which I, I I'm not going to tell you to or not to, which I I hope you are, but if you're not, I'm not going to ever accost you for th- those opinions. I actually I will probably a little bit. I'm I'm lying. <laughs> but what I will Good. say is that this game does a lot for acceptance of that LGBTQ spectrum. And we talked about it. I'm not going to sit here and push an agenda. Um uh, all I'm simply going to say is if you are a supporter of that at, at all, you will really love this game. If you're at all, and I say this very nuanced, if you are at all a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender and you love the character development and how great it is in that show, you will love the character development in this game, not because it's similar, but because of how amazing each character is and how well each character develops. And one of them also if you're a fan the of that show, you know how every character is meticulously crafted in that game, and I feel the same here. Um, I don't have anything too negative to say about this game at all. Um, no, I, I even I even enjoy the combat, which is a strategy tactic style combat. The the only thing that kept it from the number one slot is obviously there's a game more amazing. Um, Peggle and that 2. Game, and that game we will talk about <laughs> here shortly. But yeah, It Can Fell is an amazing game. I'm telling you guys, if you have not played it, you've heard us talk about it throughout the year. It is a 20 to 25 hour game. It's amazing and you should play it. You should play it. You should play it. I'm done. Hmm. Okay. Ickenfell at number two. Uh, Josh, what is your number two? My number two is Ickenfell, which is why I was not going in on Shay uh, <laughs> right that there. I'm like, I'll, 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 I'll announce my own, uh, my own pick and then go into it. Um, yes, to basically everything Shay laid out before I did there. Um, the, the combat in this game is a really cool paired back tactics game like it this is more or less a jrpg as far as the way kind of individual fights go um uh, they don't have random battles it's more like the sort of chrono cross 
style where like you see somebody on the map if you run into them you are in combat um but instead of being like in combat on the map it goes to a tactics layer where you are uh you know positioning is super important figuring out how you want to um deal with each individual enemy in a certain fight is important yeah. because each enemy is threatening basically at all times from beginning to end of the game um I I loved so much of what this game did um, from integrating tactics into a JRPG like this, which I thought was just an excellent way to make combat engaging from beginning to end. Um, they, they did an excellent job with that. They did an excellent job with the music. Like we already mentioned before, this was, this is one that I brought up in, in the soundtrack department when we, were, when we were talking about what was the best music from the year i absolutely loved this um i'm pretty sure i brought this up in narrative as well um you like did. It, it, it it hits so many notes just expertly this year that it is it is it is hard to overstate um what a good game this is what a an excellent like it's it's very like we mentioned before kind of how like nostalgically like the way the way the story kind of hits a lot of notes that you feel like you've experienced before um Mm -hmm. but takes them in different directions um it it does an excellent job with that of kind of touching on themes that you've 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 you you you've you there there have been pieces of media that you've experienced before in your life that have kind of in in one medium or other have been kind of on the periphery of this game stuff like Harry Potter like um any of the Final Fantasy games like Chrono Cross like I've or Chrono Trigger like I've mentioned before so much of this game feels like it's been almost addressed before but having it all kind of come together in this game um in its own unique thing feels special even though so many of the parts have been brushed up against by other yeah art pieces in the past it all comes together and becomes its own thing in a beautiful way um I absolutely love the characters in this game, the music in this game, the combat in this game. Um and it feels like something's going to stick with me indefinitely at this point. This is this is going to be a touchstone. Like this is something in gaming that going forward you are going to want to have experienced to kind of understand how this sto- this sort of game can be affecting yeah on all fronts i i hope enough i know i hope enough people play this game because i feel like i know with it being an indie game this is kind of a weird statement to make but i have a feeling it's going to be a big influence on other indie games to come i mean i don't want to call it like the zeitgeist or anything like that of anything because obviously it is an indie game but i do feel like it is going to be influential for other games 
in the future in multiple ways. You're talking about the combat, which is influential. I think character development is huge in this game. Mm-hmm. And the, with how compact this package is, how incredible each journey is for each character and what they go on in such a short amount of time is going to be a standard, or it should be a standard at least, for these styles of games going forward. And also, I feel as if, like you're talking about how the inspiration from different games and sources and mediums come together in this game, and then it becomes its own thing, especially within the LGBTQ spectrum, is going to be a really big thing going forward as well. Um, I think we're starting to see that blossom a little bit more and a little bit more. Time Spinners was a game that I played last Mm -hmm. year that came out two years ago that had some LGBTQ um, points touched upon. The Last of Us 2 this year. It Can Fail this year. We're going to start, and I'm sure there are other games too that I'm not even mentioning directly. Uh, Mass Effect was another one as well, to a very lesser degree. We're going to start seeing that happen more and more. And I feel as if this game is going to be influential in that regard. No matter how small or how large that influence is, will be determined. But it's going to be influential in some way, shape, or form. And that's why I'm telling, and Josh is telling you guys, play this game. Because you're going to see this be an inspiration for other games going forward. Yeah. Okay, cool. It can fail at number two. Uh, What do you got, Rich? Number two. Peggle 2. No. Uh, <laughs> I cracked in for it's finally here. You've all been waiting for it. Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Uh, this is significantly higher on my list than it was for Shay. I don't want to harp too long because I think he made a lot of the good points. Really what I'll talk about is um, some of the ways I felt differently about it that put it higher up on my list. Um, I <laughs> Shay talked about how much he hated Roach. <laughs> I talk about how I love to hate Roach. Like, he sucks so bad, but that was the point to me, uh, to that I found myself almost disappointed he wasn't more involved. Um, when it comes... Yeah, at least, at least fin- well, his arc's gonna continue in the sequels. So. Yes, presumably. Um, and then the stuff around, like, the end of the story and the, the spirits stuff, the, the wisps and all that, uh, I didn't walk away as negative on that stuff. Uh, because one, I could appreciate that they were trying to do something with the narrative with it, and it's hard for me to like pass to really strongly say I didn't like that until I see how it fleshes out going forward. And more so, I think that falls into the camp of I appreciated what a weirdly big swing they took, because in terms of changing this game from the original, because that was a risk. I didn't believe going into this that this game would be as different as it was from the original. Like, that is a big swing. This thing is so precious to people. And one thing I kept saying going in, if you're not going to do it at least a little bit differently, what's the point? Like, Final Fantasy VII exists. We don't need to retell it beat for beat exactly as it was. We can take ideas we've learned since then and be like, what if this thing were a little bit different? What would Final Fantasy VII be like if that original storyboard was adapted in 2020? And I feel like they did that more so than they didn't. And it also, as to Shay's point earlier, uh, fleshes out Avalanche and the crew in Midgar a little bit more in ways I really liked. And it it's just something I had a lot of fun uh, playing around with. Yeah. I was, um, I was wondering if that was going to be your one or two. So 
So now you know. Gut feeling about number one. You might say. Really? <laughs> Not like you've mentioned it at all this year or anything, but <laughs> I have a gut feeling. That's right. Yeah. Peggle too. Same with some with Josh. Some yeah. might say. I think this is the last time it's bring up, going to be brought up. So I'm going to kind of address it now. Um, a lot of the stuff Shay was mentioning about not liking from this game. A lot, a lot of the uh, that's lot, kind of kind of what of I the said. Tetsuya Nomura type stuff um, is kind of stuff that I've withheld judgment on so far. Um, yeah, I said the same thing until we see where it goes. Yeah, and then other yeah. bits of that are more so like I just appreciated the swing they were taking more than anything else. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of those things where it could be amazing. It could be a train wreck if all of a sudden this is like heart darkness, heart darkness. But I, right heart now darkness, I'm looking um heart... moving forward. Um, well, I don't know what the hell a shadow realm is, but you're being an asshole. Yeah, and so it's it's one of those things where like I can see how this could be amazing, but also I'm. But also, as it stands, I'm taking it at face value for what it is. Like, mm -hmm. if part two, part two is going to happen, but in a world where part two never happened, I enjoy a lot of that stuff for what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think as far as gameplay wise, it's excellent. Like there's so much this game it, does well. It's par none there. That that combat is the evolution of what FF15 was. Mm -hmm. Um, but just so much better, especially in um. And I don't know if we talked about this much or if who here actually has much experience with it. In hard mode, it's a different game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's so many systems people. Some people get their ass kicked in hard mode. They're like, holy shit, this is. No yeah, deal. there are so many systems that they kind of don't require you to actually use that are really cool. Like. Playing from like switching characters in this game is really impactful as far as like and whether you're playing a necessity on hard mode. Yeah, you have to absolutely have to. They do such a good job. Like, I really love the way Cloud almost feels Dark Souls esque as far as like the the parry timings and stuff. Yeah, like you're you're super and Tifa tanky, feels you're kind like of a fighting game character. Yeah, and then Tifa can just absolutely dish out damage. Once you you mm -hmm. learn the way to kind of string different combos together, um, this game does so much right that like the narrative aspects of it that are iffy at the moment don't even detract from what it is. Which... What it is as as a game. Like I I remember talking with you guys about uh, the uh, afternoon more than afternoon probably a, a weekend's worth of days I spent working on beating uh, Bahamut mm -hmm. and. Being like, I had to try a million different Tifa builds to find the correct build to stagger him as fast as possible. Because yeah. the whole way that optional boss is built is eventually he just starts counting down. And if you don't stagger him before he finishes that countdown, you're it's not an auto wipe, but you're basically fucked. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it's weird because like the whole combat system in 13 was built around that stagger idea. Yeah, and they kind of they made it less important in fifteen, and now more important again. And here. then more important again here. And I feel like that the whole stagger idea is one of my favorite things they've done in Final the Fantasy Combat. The best bit of thirteen is the the combat, like mm -hmm. the stuff it did with that traditional turn based stuff, is the the thing that made that game worth playing. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the cool stuff they do here is built along the same lines. Um, like they don't 
it's not even taught to but with you a bigger action rpg focus yeah exactly it's it's not even taught to you like there's there's so much other stuff going on in this game that the stagger is kind of like this ancillary sort of mechanic that like it's super important once you're on hard mode but they don't even bring yeah, you don't up necessarily need need to engage with it on normal but it would be a little ridiculous not to mm-hmm Especially when it comes to fights like the Hell House and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to it. Hopefully, if once they announce the sequel, and I know for sure it's happening, I will be happy to give the game another shot for sure. Just crank the c- combat up from to hard from the very beginning and try to at least I, enjoy that. That game's not really built for you to play it on hard the first time. Well, I've already played the majority of the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, if you have that new game plus file, though, is what I'm saying. Like, oh. as far as the way that difficulty works, that game is not really built for you to play it on hard in your oh, first go-around. okay, so, okay, okay, that's good advice, that's good advice. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Final learning, learning the systems on hard Oops, would be sorry. a bit much. Like, I And feel you like- also wouldn't have that level going in. Hard does not let you use items, which is very restricting. In combat, it doesn't let in you combat, use In combat, yes. Yeah. Oh, man, no, you, that's You can good use advice. them to, like, top off, advice. or to top off outside just, of combat. I'll just run through it, yeah, because, I mean, I, there's a good chance might really enjoy the second one so yeah um cool i'm glad that you got that really connected with you guys all right guys number one let's get right to it and then we can hash it out we got 45 minutes i wonder what morgan <laughs> picked oh uh, yeah no surprise here i wanted to focus on something a little different for this section because we've talked so much about the last of us part two over the past couple weeks and i wanted to really talk about the gameplay um for me the gameplay is of of man eater Okay, um, good. Like okay, good. Continue, buddy. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so you you press R2 and you move the joystick, the thrash. It's a lot of fun. Um, that was mine. Oh, that was mine, too. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was hoping somebody would. Oh, I got a funny thing to tell you guys about that in a little bit. Don't let me forget. Um, I think really what it comes down for me always for Game of the Year is gameplay. Because like no matter how great a game may be in other aspects, like I really want to enjoy playing the game. I really want to be impressed by the gameplay. And I've also been frustrated by Naughty Dog games because over the past 10 years, like they've made two of my favorite games, but like the combat is the one thing about their games that always keeps me from replaying them. Um, Like I've, I've always wanted to go back to Uncharted 4, but I don't like the shooting very much at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And same with Uncharted 3. And it keeps me from going back to those games, even though I love most of the other aspects about them. And this game really surprised me after the after you get through the intro or whatever, like the first hour or so. Um, everything that they had sort of been building up about trying about the gameplay in this game was really impressed me. Like these really huge, gigantic environments, multi layered kind of situations. Um, yeah, they they did a really good job implementing a bunch of new stuff. Like you can go prone now and like tall grass and stuff to really make you feel like you're an assassin of death uh, melee combat is a big focus now. So that like if you're sneaking around, which is a lot of fun and shit breaks down, which of course for me, it usually will inadvertently cause I'm not very good at stealth. You know, you have the ability to like the chaos is a lot of fun. Like just kind of just seeing what the hell happens when everything breaks down is a lot of fun in the game um, because of the melee and the combat and the different options you have available to you. And um, some, a lot of, you know, the the general scale of the environments and how, all the different ways you can approach it, um, all the options you have for combat, you know, weapons and all, all that stuff, the way the environment breaks down, all those things I think are legitimately 
objectively incredible. I think the thing that pushes me, the thing that Naughty Dog says, like, okay, that's what most other developers would do. And most people would say, great job. But the thing Naughty Dog does that goes the extra mile, which is, like, insane to me, I'm actually in the process of making a really long video about it, um, is they really went crazy with the details of the realism to kind of fit the theme of the game. For example... There was even some stuff I didn't even recently know until or I didn't know until my second playthrough because it was so visceral. Like um, some of its little aesthetic things, like if you shoot a wall, I was looking at this uh, cool thing the other day. But if you shoot a wall, you can see the pebbles individually fall into the water. Like that's sort of the, like the level of detail in the game. You can see every ripple of the pebble and it's different every time. It's not like a pre-programmed thing um, like your bandage. When you put a bandage on, if you sit there and wait and watch it, it slowly starts to fill with blood. You can see the mark go from um, like a clean bandage to a bloody bandage. Um, there's a lot of really cool things. They Like, for example, you can use enemies to throw them into the infected. So, like, if you, like, take an enemy hostage as, like, a meat shield, you can throw them into the infected as, like, a cool way to do it. There, but there's there's subtle details. Like, if you sneak up on a guy and put a gun to his head and you go to shoot him and he hears that you have no bullets left, he starts squirming around like crazy because he knows that you don't have any fucking bullets in the chamber. If you kill a bunch of guys that are together and you leave one guy left in the pack, that last guy will like plead for his life and shit because there's nobody around to help him, right? There's so many dynamic, crazy... I was watching a video the other day about the... This is going to sound gross, but the brain splatter in this game. You can literally shoot someone and their brains will splatter on the wall and you can watch the little bits of brain drip down. I'm sorry. Can you please stop talking about that? That's really grossing me out right now. I know. It's very gross. We're talking about the Richard Ramirez documentary, (laughs) right? can't handle this um and like there's just like i there's if for example if you this is one crazy thing if you uh break a glass window in front of an enemy when you grab them to choke them out you will see the shards of the glass in their face if if the window broke on top of them like i'm i'm literally making this video because i was so i just thought it was a fun video to make the amount of detail they put into combat scenarios and detail to emphasize the realism. Well, that, that's just ev- being- in everything. And like like you said, it's a level of detail that does go underappreciated. So it, it is cool to kind of have some of that stuff brought to your yeah. attention. Because, I mean, I know Naughty Dog puts fucking detail into their games, but I didn't know half of this shit you're telling us. Yeah. The, Did you know that the when system you, you smacks- stuff in this game is fucking insane. Like, they track stuff that you don't, you don't even think of. Um, that just that few people immerses would. you into the world in such an amazing way because it's 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 the little details um, that play out based off of what you just did. Um, it's the, the sort of um, it's on an infinitely smaller scale than we've been promised in the past as far as like what your actions matter, um, as far as like stories playing out, but an infinitely more detailed way. Because it is on that small scale. Like, okay, you're yeah. out of breath when this cutscene starts. That that matters. Um, yeah. There's just, there are really, really impressive details that they put into this game that make it feel real, that are just amazing. Did you know that if you smash someone with a baseball bat in the face, um, you can see their teeth fly out? Are we still, someone like are we still the, talking about the game? This, this screenshot and you could see their teeth fly. It's crazy. Um, if you blood spills on the snow, it'll actually, you sit there and watch it. It will melt the snow. It'll actually melt the snow. Cause blood is one of the, like I, some of this stuff, I'm going to be Not honest. Mine. I played through the game twice. Even some <laughs> of this stuff, 
I didn't know about. And I was just like, I need to make a video about this. But the thing I noticed going through even the second time, I was impressed the first time, but the second time going through and really getting into the gameplay, hearing the enemies call out to each other, I think what they're doing to kind of take Walter? this stuff to the next level. I know, I know you joke about this stuff, Josh, but I do. I was really impressed by not necessarily because obviously, if the guys like Walter, it's not like there's an actual backstory there. They're just you well, know, what if there were inf infusing them with details to make that seem real. Um, but Morgan, or, what if what if it, there were? Because that's what Watch Dogs Legion does. Yeah, yeah, because you know, there's not. <laughs> There's not all these obviously they're just NPCs, but what they're doing to make them in the realism of the game, like the for example, if a dog smells you, they'll like scratch on the door until the owner walks over and opens the door, right? And mm -hmm. and the way they'll respond, like if their owner goes down, they'll nuzzle the they'll kind of nuzzle their dead body and shit. Like you would be blown away by all these amazing like this is something Greg Kasavin pointed out that I had totally forgotten, which it's and it's very obvious. When you go to an upgrade bench, it's like the best upgrade bench ever. You see the character literally yeah. like Changing the ammo, adding the little upgrades there are, to the... There are unique animations for every single upgrade in the game, which literally will only ever happen one time, but they're all unique. Like, it's they put so yep. much effort into the detail. Into in the game. minute details. Like, things yeah. that most people will not give a second thought you to. You will miss. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't ever brush up against a tree, you wouldn't know how realistic the snow falls off the tree. Feel the because same way about real life, though, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, just don't brush up against that many trees. You aren't even talking about the best mechanic, though. The rope mechanics in this game. Oh, the rope mechanics are great. They're so Naughty good. Naughty Dog yes. does ropes like nobody else, and it feels really weird that I'm constantly excited to talk about that, because I know I brought it up back when we were talking about it at the time, because I felt that way about Uncharted 4 prior to this. I'm like, Uncharted 4 uh, has good ropes. The, the ro <laughs> no, the rope mechanics are, like, insane. The only thing that blew my mind more than that was there was a video of someone breaking a window and there wasn't a character on the inside, but the way the window broke, it knocked down a lamp that was in the house. Because every individual piece of the glass breaks has like I think, has its own physics to it, and it's yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like honestly, like I am, and and that's this is all like stuff that just sort of complements. I think that the general design of the and the scale of the comp. Like there's this one area where you're jumping in and out of like pools of water and sliding through like um, cracks in the walls and shit to get to this boat. There's like this boat you have to get to, and there's like enemies I think I all remember. these different tiers. It's it's just gigantic, and that's just like one of like a thousand areas, and it's just. I I don't know. I've 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 I'm just was just completely blown away by not just the detail but just how diverse and interesting the the combat was. And that's the most important thing for me because at the end of the day, all those other things are great and important and they'll carry me through a game, but for it to be my game of the year, I want to enjoy playing it. I want that is the most yeah. important thing. Well, it me. is a game, so that, yeah, that that would be important. It mm -hmm. is. It, it is should it's be. very true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, no, the, the, the gameplay is very much like the first game, but, like, improved on all fronts. Um, yeah. It just, it feels great to play compared to the first game. Like, it is it is very similar, but, like, all parts of it have been kind of... Refined? Yeah, refined to the to what works about the system. Um, and to be fair, the, the other game was eight years ago, like game is beyond the last of us have done more since then and it's informed by stuff it's informed by things other games have done and then builds off what the last of us one was and it, mm -hmm. it does do all that stuff the right way like 100 mm -hmm. you're not gonna no denial there and i just think that stuff's cool because it's in service of of the themes of the game as well so that's the biggest thing for me and and i'll get this out of the way now so i don't have to say it in a little bit the reason i got 
I think so heated with you guys uh, over the past couple weeks. Some of it, I will say, is self-criticism is my own fault. I, in, I, I did sort of divert in my frustration away from um, favorite group thing to what I felt like was the best or the most important on a grand scale. And that's a problem that I, that's something I think as a fault I have. And that's not what we're doing here. We're, we're just picking our favorite stuff from a group. We're not necessarily fighting about what we think is like going to push the medium forward or what's the best. That's not what we do. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's our awards. It's what we like the most. And I think that's the important mm -hmm. thing to keep, keep ahead about, which like, you know, if you reflected I, on it and you came out feeling that way, I'm, I'm glad. I did, and and I and so I do apologize for that. I think, and if you know me, this is the thing that I've always been very passionate about, and that is the AAA martyr joke came from this. The whole reason somebody sent me this game like, should cost eighty dollars. <laughs> the, the AAA martyr joke. I don't know where it came from. Um, I wonder why. Um, the thing I believe the most about criticism, and this is something that I people can absolutely hold me to, especially with my game of the year. We look, we're not doctors. We're not saving lives. We're just entertainers. We're just on a podcast making dick jokes, but we're criticizing this art, this incredible art that people are, are making. And my general goal has always been, and that's why they call me the AAA martyrs. I want to see things that I feel like are going to push the genre forward. And I actually felt like I had like an emotional experience before we did the first game of the year podcast where I was sitting there. I felt like I was going to cry because I did not want to come in and talk to you guys. I was like, I know we're not going to agree. And this game means too much to me. And I can't, I can't do this. And, and I wanted to figure out why I'm like, why do I care so much about this? It's like at the end of the day, who cares? You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have this opinion. It's going to win all these. It awards. doesn't should be devalue happy. your opinion at any point. And that's why I'm, asking beyond this top five discussion we're having today that's why i'm asking for a written top 10 from all of you so we can have time on the website for everyone to get the games they cared most about out there um in the world for people to experience in a different medium yeah mm -hmm. yeah and and th but that's that's my larger point in summation is just that for me the entire point of putting my opinion on a pedestal and criticizing art that people make is to fight for things I believe are good for the medium moving forward. And that's why I feel so passionate about this game. Some like I, I went back and listened to our Chomping After Dark. I said I thought it was I would give up every game on my essential game list for this game. And every single one of them. And you know what? Sure, I could someone was like, dude. Bro, you give up Frogger. You'd give up every game on your list. And like somebody, they had a chomper message the other day and they were like, I went back and listened to your chomping after dark for game of the year. And like, literally you called it. Now it's the most awarded game of all time. And I was like, you know what? I, it still doesn't make me happy because I have to sit here with these guys and I know I'm going to get mad. So I had to try so hard to get mad. I believe in my heart that this is the best. I think this is the apex of electronic entertainment to this point in every aspect I think it's everything you look for. I think it's brave. It's got inclusion. It's a technical masterpiece. It's unconventional. It's accessible. Every single checkbox you could possibly hit, in my opinion, it hits. And I am so happy that our audience chose it as their game of the year. And I'm happy that it's getting as awarded as it is. And I'm just going to have to really bite my tongue over the next half an hour because I'm very frustrated. But I just want you guys to know I love you. Um, but to everyone listening, yes, I called it in July, and that means my opinion is right. Thank you. All right. Um, number one. Shay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a little joke no, at good. the end there. Um, um, yeah. Ori what's your number one, Shay? Or what the fuck, man? Ori and the Will of the Wisps was my number one game of the year. There's no surprise there. I've been 
trying to be a little bit quiet about exactly where this game is placed, but I don't think it was to the surprise of anybody. Uh, I absolutely love this game. This game to me is a masterpiece. And we've had this discussion a few years back about calling games masterpieces. This to me is the definition. I did in a review this week. Um, Every single thing about this game is top of the line. Every single thing. The first game was incredible in its own right. The the hand, the hand drawn and hand painted style, uh, the very simplistic but emotionally affecting story uh, that gets you into it within the first ten minutes. Everything about the game, the first game was awesome, except the combat. The combat was good. It was never great. That was always the weakest point of the first game. So what did they do in the second game? They made the combat very fucking good the combat in this game i would say is top of the line in this style in this genre of gaming it is incredible the josh has already talked about it to some degree what you can do with the combat in this game is insane you can literally never touch the ground if you want to throughout an entire sequence destroy every enemy and then eventually float right back down to the ground. You can you can chain moves, attacks, and um, abilities to where you end up somewhere completely different. And it feels natural. And what's cool about it is the way they roll out the abilities and the combat and all of that is very, very consistent. And they do it right at the point to where you've mastered the last ability. And I think that's such an important thing. I think this is something that, you know, obviously it doesn't need like more press or more talking about, but a lot of times when you're playing a game and you get an ability, you feel like you don't, you haven't spent enough time with it to master it. And then you're already given a new ability and you kind of forget about that last ability that you've been given. But the way this game works, and it's kind of the way that um, Metroidvania is kind of work in general, is that you have to backtrack a lot and you have to do do a lot of searching and in this game there's just the right amount to where by the time you get to the next area with the next ability you feel like maybe you haven't necessarily mastered that ability but you have gotten a good feel of what you can do with it and then when you get this new ability you have time to integrate that ability learn how to use that ability and how to integrate it with the other abilities that you already have and just the whole process feels so natural on top of the com the updated combat feeling amazing um the music in this game is incredible absolutely incredible music um i love that they've built upon what they did so well in the first game the first game had a, a lot of chase sequences and that's when the music would have all these peaks and valleys and this game very much does that as well. It's not necessarily um, doing a lot more than the first game. It's just honing the craft of the first game. It's making it slightly better than it already was because it already was really, really good. Uh, they've updated the art direction and the graphics so much that it makes the game really pop. The first game was an absolutely gorgeous game, but this second one is one of the, for me, one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. It may not be the most technically impressive. It may not have the most unique art design, but when you put all of it together, it's absolutely gorgeous. And I 
I tip my hat to the amount of detail and work that was put into it. There are a bunch of behind the scenes videos where they actually talk about how to animate this game and it's impressive the amount of work that they put into it, especially considering how small the studio is. Um, I really love the story in this game. It picks up from the first one. So while the first one is so emotionally moving, and the only words that are ever said are the rare words from the narrator. And this game picks up where the first one left off, brings those characters that you really loved. Um, shout out to Gumo. Gotta love some Gumo. But he comes, they all come in and they have a new story. And they build upon the first one together and apart. Slightly spoiler there. Or slight spoiler there. And the way it culminates at the end is just. It, it's gut wrenching and it's beautiful at the same time. It's a very bittersweet ending, but it feels like just this natural progression to a natural ending of a story. The way it ends is so mm. beautiful and perfect. Um, I love all the different environments in the game. I really do. They stand out from one another so well, yet they all feel like they belong in the world. The. I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I really need to say about the game? Like, I don't know. I just, I fucking love this game. If you couldn't tell, I've been talking about it nonstop all year. It's the game that I think about all the time from this past year. I think about this game almost every fucking day and how amazing this game is. Um, yeah, this is, to me, this game is the definitive game from 2020 that you should play. Um, even if the combat frustrates you, turn down the difficulty and just play it. Cause yeah. there is, there are so many amazing things about this game and you don't want to wait. Like I waited five years to play the first one. Uh, that was at the very beginning of 2020. And I love that game. I played it in preparation for this game to come out and having played the second one, it just, yeah, it built upon what the first one did so well. So, or in the will of the wisps. Definitely my number one choice. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Josh, I have a gut feeling that you've got a super giant surprise that you're about to drop. I mean, not so much a surprise, but yeah, it is super giant. Um, my number one choice for this year is Hades. Because um, it is a game I have loved since early access, whenever it first came out. and finally having the whole product here all together has been excellent. Um, I mentioned when we were first talking about this game on the, on the podcast about how it is such a cohesive experience that I want to experience literally everything in it. Um, like it's, 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 it's a roguelike game where even a failure gives you this feeling of progression. Um, mechanically, because you're getting more, you know, like... Uh, stat points? Yeah, like more, more stats, more, more uh, like, different. There are several different, essentially, currencies, currencies yeah, yeah. To, to unlock different things 
and just mm. a failed playthrough still feels like you're making progress even even without the uh we've mentioned this before the the accessibility mode the the god mode where anytime you fail you just get a, a, a flat stat increase which is a great way to make a game like this eventually something you can conquer um like they did an excellent excellent job with that but but even when you're not doing that a failed playthrough still feels like you're learning something which is something you you love to see that's something that that something like spelunky does excellently uh where the only thing you get from a playthrough to playthrough in spelunky is knowledge like you'll eventually unlock shortcuts to new areas which allow you to go and essentially get more knowledge like i want to see this new zone sooner I want to know how um, snakes work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this game feels like that even without skipping ahead. You you always yeah. feel like you understand the combat. You understand the system is yeah. better going from one playthrough to the next. But also, even if you fail, you get more story. You get more narrative from one playthrough th- to the next. That just feels excellent. Um you you could fail over and over and over again at this game and not feel like you're banging your head against the wall because you're always experiencing something new, which is not something a lot of roguelikes get right. Um, oddly enough, I loved Spelunky 2. I feel like it is Spelunky but better in almost every aspect. But you fail over and over and over again, yeah. and you don't feel ad- anywhere near as rewarded. It's a way more punishing game. It's a way more mm-hmm. punishing you can make experience. A case, even though the game isn't like maybe grand scale revolutionary for the genre, for roguelikes, you can make a case that revolutionizes that genre in the same way that, well, we said Into the Breach revolutionized the roguelikes as well. But I, I think does. this does revolutionize roguelikes, though. And I, I, I'm not sure where you're going with Morgan, but in part of like the storytelling stuff. Yeah. You, you, yes. Yes. Like, you narratively, can make a case, I think. Narratively, sure. I feel like it is revolutionary as far as making failure acceptable is something that in most making it a part of the loop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it yeah. is something you're expected to do. You you should fail. Like oddly enough, I'm at the point in the game where almost every playthrough is a full clear. Like I I finish the game almost every time. Like 9 out of 10 times I will full clear the game, kill Hades, get stuff I almost feel more rewarded whenever I do fail at this point because I'll get more dialogue. Like having having characters talk to me about how I died on this last playthrough, like that's cool. Like there is there is new dialogue based off of what mm-hmm. killed you um in a given Sometimes playthrough. it's 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 very simple, but it's cool that it's Even, there. It's it's yeah even if they're just like oh that that floating eyeball gotcha it's still cool that that's there you know what i mean yeah it's that and also i think another great design choice is like that placement of where you respawn like you respawn on like this walk of shame where you have to walk past hades desks and like occasionally like you'll just be like well 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 look who's back Mm -hmm. it does it Um, does an excellent job of integrating the narrative into the gameplay which is something that yeah 
so many games struggle with where you end up like like I absolutely love Uncharted games, but the narrative and the gameplay have fuck all to do with each other. What do you mean? Nathan's games. a murderer. That's the whole point of the game. Yeah, but like it's it's so funny in this it's game where tale? what you just did will come back and have narrative repercussions to um, everybody you talk to immediately after it. Um, yeah, and it's really. And I cool. think we're gonna have Josh. I think we're gonna keep talking about this because I I want. I'm assuming Rich. Is gonna I, I was gonna in, say, so should I just say it? Let's just, just keep, at this point. Yeah, just yeah go. my go game of the year pick is also Hades. Um. So yeah, yes, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. You want me to show you the list? Uh, so yeah, I, I honestly, I pretty much mirror all of Josh's sentiments on that, and like a, a bigger focus of that. And I think I, I butted in there and said the same things. I'm going to repeat again. Like a big part of what makes it stand out from other roguelikes is that super giant level of storytelling. And how they found a smart way to make the fact that it is a roguelike, a game where you die again and again and again, not just a part of the narrative, the focus of the narrative. Like, it's so smart, and it so cleverly, like, doles out the story, like Josh was saying, as you're going. Like, having these weird interactions where you'll come back to the House of Hades, and uh, Megara will be just, like, hanging out, uh, talking to Dusa about something... And you'll just be like, oh, hey, Meg, like she was kicking your ass 20 minutes ago. And now you two are just having a fucking conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And the dog, you get to pet the dog. Which sweet, is nice. sweet Cerberus. You get to pet Cerberus. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, there were some people, I'm going to be honest with you, that I never felt like talking to. Like I never talked to uh, Dusa. That Dusa is the best. Um, I'm a big um, fan of Achilles. There, I do think it's funny when you finally. I only got two story segments because I was so bad at the game. But I do think it's funny whenever you get a story segment and they open up a weird part like that you had never seen. Like the the second story thing I got, where like you're going to like your day job in Hades. It's like a door opens up on the side of the place I had never even been to, and there's like desks in there and shit. And I was like, yeah, okay, they're, they're bureau. It's hell. They're bureaucrats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know, All that, the bureaucrats who are funny. tracking everybody coming. I was going to say coming and going into hell, but it's basically yeah. only coming. In, coming and attempting They're to kinda, go. It's kind of a one-way yeah. sort of transaction they've got going on in the place. Um, 80s is a nice guy. Really, Zagreus is a, he's the bro. I don't like, I'm just kidding. I lo- um, is, <laughs> They're both um, Bro. Uh, Z, <laughs> he's supposed to be, I don't know. And they did a good job of like, look, Greek mythology is boring as shit to me, but they did a good job. It is I absolutely think, of, like, not, but continue. Um, Oh, okay, I don't think Greek mythology is boring. I just think it's played out. But like, they did a good job That's of fair. like making adding their own super giant twist to Greek mythology to yeah. like make it like you've seen like how many times you've seen Zeus or Hades in games and fiction, right? But they've added their own weird flavor. Well, yeah, and that's just yeah. it. And like I've talked about it before, there's something I love about the voice work over all of the gods and, and like being like these boisterous, like smug assholes, like just picking up a Poseidon boot and he's like, hail nephew. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, no, like the, the, the characterization of all these different gods is, it's, it's spot on because they're not just trying to get across the personality of these gods. They're trying to get across the personality of these gods to a relative, um, to someone that they have some sort of personal connection to that they feel they can't just fuck over like they do to literally everyone in all of interaction. Like, like 
the, yeah. these these Greek gods are people who fuck over humanity as a matter of course. But how would they treat their In sad little of... nephew they feel bad for? Exactly. And having that as sort of, like, I, oddly enough, I feel like that's one of the reasons that Hercules has kind of stuck out as 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 a as a fixture as a fixture of how to In interact mythology, with yeah. with Greek moth Greek mythology. because he's because this bridge he's... between the human world and the world of the gods exactly yeah. and I feel like this is kind of doing the same sort of job but in a more personal manner because there's there's, there's no a Hercules more direct game, is there? direct connection from... sorry I missed that Morgan there's no Hercules in this game is there there's probably mention of Hercules I think somewhere they mention him like once or twice but not. He's not. He's not. A hey, you know, props for not having. Uh, although, props to the Kevin Sorbo Hercules. Hercules. Um. <laughs> uh. Put yeah, the gladding yeah. gladiator. Hercules. It's that was song. the best take as far as how to bring that. As far as like having a gospel, like as far bring it to the West, like. Getting the two ideas, to yeah, yeah, kind of they cross pollinate. Mar- they mar really nicely. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. All right, so Hades game of the year. All right, guys, let's go. Let's home. wrap let's it up, boys. Uh, there we go. Hades sword chomp game of the year. <laughs> to be fair, you should know. Right before we started recording this, I literally get in here and it's just me and Josh, and I'm like, "Why are we even doing this, bro? It's Hades, right?" I'm like, <laughs> Well, you're lucky I was being reasonable. I thought about leaving it off just to spite you and all my anger. Well, you see, know we, what? I'm better we than know, that. I'm better than that. We know it would be spiteful, Morgan, because we know you do like the game. I do like the game. Like, in the same way... But I I am I am vengeful. Yeah. Like, tell you. In the same way, I like The Last of Us 2, just not nearly anywhere close to as much as you like it. Um, I do want to say, but real quickly here, uh, before we just kind of pick the, the game of the year officially... Um, I have one final side note. I do want to give our, uh, you know, I do run the the polls. It's a lot of work. Every I love doing it every Tuesday on the search on Instagram page for a year, and they're usually just fun. And then it builds up to game of the year. So I want to thank everyone that voted because it was there was so many votes this year. It was nuts. Like I showed you guys private. Didn't we the yeah. break the record by like an astonishing number? Uh, uh, yes, yeah. you know, an astonishing number of people like showed up to vote, and like I noticed it because when I post stuff not on poll day. The numbers are like seventy percent lower as far as even just viewers. So like people know people that people are Tuesday actually is the day they looking out for it, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And whether it's just jokes or showing up, or they want to yell and fight over stuff, and <laughs> um, I you know that was one of the things I want to thank our audience because I it actually helped me coming into this show because I was like I didn't feel as angry. I didn't feel like I was going to fight with you guys because the audience's choice did mimic my personal choice. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I I was very happy. Like I I was jumping around the house. I was fist pumping. My wife was like, "Why did I marry you?" I was like, "Well, that's yeah. just every day." Like it was unrelated to what you were doing. Yeah. How did that well, stand? Well, I had clothes out? on this time. I had clothes. Oh, on. Oh, okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> and normally it's right after I give my wife an orgasm. Yeah. So this is I a just, dream then. Um, but no, honestly, I couldn't be more like. Our audience, it's in, in all seriousness, for whatever they voted for all the different weeks, there were some bummers to see like certain games get knocked out as early as they did. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a landslide, and I was I was very proud to be able to put The Last of Us Two up there um, as the most decorated game of all time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we, no, no. We, as far as that goes, that I you, was that you you begged people to vote for that. We're not going to mention that. 
Okay, Trump. Uh, Victor's right. His. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We'll let it go. Trump. <laughs> anyway, oh, I'm disappointed. You should. I have the but biggest turnout in all I the was... Game of the Year awards ever. Mm. On my tenth, believe me, I can see what goes on, and uh, a lot of people voted just to spite me. So, a lot of people are like, "Hey, I know you like The Last of Us too. I'm going to vote just because I don't want this to win." The thing about public votes are are fun because. You can literally vote for any reason. Like there, it's not like an award show where like you have to be like a member or like have some sort of, like you could just show up to the page and vote. You could vote for Ghost of Tsushima and have played neither game. You could vote for The Last of Us for no. We reason. don't even check. Like they just—it's a public vote. It's a free for all, which is why it's just crazy. Uh, and yes, I did get one person complaining, so I ended up taking down my my plea of uh, please go that's vote a, for the last. That's the same thing I, I said um, when I bought those EMT sweatpants. I was like, you know, they'll sell these to anybody. They didn't even check. But yeah, it was just, oh my God, it was an overwhelming landslide and I couldn't be more happy. So, um, which I mean, realistically was not surprising and uh, I couldn't be more proud. Proud father. You didn't um, make the last father. of us. I mean, look, it's somebody said, like, I don't need... You're, like, weird admirer, if anything. I, I can have a good yeah, touch of humor about it. I, mean, I know. I Father I in the need, sense like, that you liked someone's post yeah. that their baby was cute? <laughs> You're totally the father. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how relationships work. I, I'm I glad you're happy, is all I can really say, Morgan. Because, again... The the point was never like I think the last of us two is absolute garbage. The point was there are thing a lot of things this year that I liked more than the last of us two. Well, that's what I told people. I was like, you know what? I feel, and that was one of the reasons I kept saying I quit because I was like, man, I'm with three crazy people here. But I I calm myself down. And I'm like, look, these are my friends. Be respectful, even if because at the end of the day, I'm stuck with you guys. So that is what it is. What it is. Um, uh-huh. But I mean, somebody messaged me and they're like, do you feel validated going out there saying you thought it was the best game ever? And then it got all these awards, broke the game awards and all this stuff. Game of the year. I was like, in a way. Yeah, it sounds it sounds hollow, but like I already had the. Opinion. But you just, I didn't you just want your dad to, to say he's proud of you. And we're, we're never going to awards to validate my opinion because I'm, uh, you know, it's, I'm a terrible person. No, like, I think that if, if I'm going to put my opinion out there, like, look, I'm hosting a gaming podcast. I've devoted my life to a gaming podcast. If I'm going to go out there and say I think something's the best game ever made and it doesn't win any awards and it gets shut out, then I look kind of foolish. You know, <laughs> it's just I don't Bro, want that. The best happen, game obviously. ever made. Tetris Effect wasn't even on your list. Uh, second best game ever. Made, okay, with all, all due respect. Right, all right, man. Tetris Effect is good um, as long as we can just acknowledge that. But yeah, man. I mean, that's that's going to change. But I mean, just let's just pick a game of the year. I mean, anything honestly, so we don't have to keep fighting about it. I think it's Man Eater. I, I, you know what? That's a we're, clo- we're doing. We're doing top five like we do every year, right? Don't we just do top three? I do, I don't. Do we really need I mean, a top are we, five? Are we I mean, changing it on the fly? I mean, changing it on the fly. I think we've always done top three. Haven't we? I only no, have, we've done top I only five. have 10 minutes. We've so done top five every year. I just, I oh. listen to every game of the year show in preparation for this show. Yeah, this okay. we, we normally do a top five, but I mean. I only remember top it, three, it, and I think we only ever had, I mean, we could do top four and have overlap, but other than that, I think the fifth one, there's no overlap. I think there's only four. Well, that's that's, that's the mean, fun look, of it every No, year. no, and shay, shay, shay. I mean, all seriousness. I don't think we should get into like a big fighting argument. I think that 
if we all agree, if we all have Hades on our list, I say we probably just give it game of the year. Get out of here while we're still friends. I think, I, I mean, regardless of the rest of it, I do think Hades is where we're at as far as game of the year goes. Yes. I, I will say next year, yeah, yeah. And I will say next year I'm probably going to be more of, I've had a big, some, you know, I had this big thought. I was listening to a podcast this week and I realized that it is kind of, it is weird to put, there's going to be a greater separation now with games being $70 and then you have smaller games being like $20, $25. There's going to be a greater separation in quality, not, not quality. Um, let me rephrase this. I enjoyed, I know this, this is where the hipsters get mad at me. I enjoyed Hades more than I enjoyed some AAA games this year. Okay. So let me be clear about that. What I'm saying is I'm feeling if someone wants to take this very seriously going forward, I feel uncomfortable comparing a $20 game to a $70 game. Not because it's one's better or worse, but I think they're very different products. You had to buy into one of them exponentially more than the other to even play it. Also, here's the the thing of why I think, like, again, I'm personally going to say, Morgan, I think that is your own personal hang-up. Because... When you look at what it takes, like, look at the indie film industry. Like, the first Clerks is a better movie than some multi-million dollar films. Yeah. But the trick is, if you go to, pay, if you go to the cinema, you're going to pay the same price to see any movie, barring, like, a 3D but fee. But I'm not with- talking about how much we pay for the product. Because, like, the problem you're saying you're, you're having is production value, then. Well, I was look- so I was looking at a lot of, being the gaming historian, I was looking at a <laughs> I was looking at a lot of like I was like, why is it that a lot of really going to be hard to grapple with when my other podcast about gaming history launches? I was just I was just sort of thinking about why a lot of games like Hades will like crush it in the independent award, like best independent game. But but then they'll get swamped and other stuff. Right. Because I feel like there's a tendency there and I don't think it's right or wrong because I enjoyed Hades more than most of the games in in the top, like say the game award top five or whatever. Right. But I think what happens is there's a human nature to. Those things feel different. Like Hades, even in our awards, got swamped in the second round by Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. So I think there's I, a human tendency to separate those I, things. Not based. That's all I'm saying. Yes. I don't think you're wrong. I just don't think it's right. I think most of that is probably marketing. Because honestly, that's what AAA does more than anything else. It's, it's marketing. Put Cloud like Strife you, on a park you bench. You will hear about the AAA games infinitely more than about any indie game and it's some of it is production value because there is more money thrown behind these things but notwithstanding that i think marketing is just marketing yeah absolutely enormous part of that because i heard so much about doom eternal coming into this year and that made none of our lists but we heard about Doom Eternal for years coming up to that game. Well, I know, but a lot of people love that love that game a lot. And so what I and that game well, white but also my... they were bought into it. They had heard about it for years before it. I don't think it's a bad game. I just but think they it's not were as... invested before it came out. And it, I I just think well, yes, its biggest flaw is yeah. it's not as good of a game as the game it's a sequel to. No, but that's what I'm saying is that 
Okay, well, we can agree to disagree on that. Yeah. I think that's why you see a lot of, of, of places separate into like a best independent award. Like, I'll give you yeah. this is my personal opinion, not the group. I think the best mid tier game I played this year was Ori. I feel like the best small tier game I played was Hades. And obviously, you guys know how I feel about The Last of Us 2. In my head, I can split those games up because Ori was like 30 ish dollars, right? And if um, you compartmentalize it like, like that, 20. that's fine. That's fine. That, yeah, that's how, that's how I do it in my head because it feels more fair. Like, I'm never going to put. I can't put up something smaller in my head next to those games for me. Um, and I just want to tell that to our listeners to say, like, I'm trying to reevaluate how I do things fairly or unfairly because I'm criticizing yeah. these these people put their heart and souls into this art. And I'm going to and I bet Greg Kasava and everyone that works on Hades would be like, yeah, man, like this is we love this game. This is amazing. But we're charging people twenty dollars for it. We we have limited resources here. This is great. But like. They, that's why, I don't know. Anyways, the point being is that's how I'm compartmentalizing thing now. Mm -hmm. And it makes it easier for me to look at the, and it's going to be weirder. There's definitely $70 now. Yeah. There's definitely a reason to look at it that way as far as like framing it. Um, because like Rich was joking at this, as far as games should be $80 games are $80 now. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, if you want the. If you want half the goddamn content that should be Sometimes included as 100. a default, it's at least eighty dollars. Um, because mm. there's so much shit that's added after the fact. Like, oh, like games DLC are eighty dollars at this point. Like we pretend they're not, but like yeah. there is content that would be included with the game at this point. Also, pe- people like to pretend that like added afterward. People like to pretend that this is a new thing, but. It was totally a thing years ago that's just kind of circling back around. Like, Super Street Fighter 2 was a $70 game. Yeah. And I think you guys are all pretty... um, Yeah, and that that doesn't necessarily affect what we do this year, but uh, it's just something we're thinking about. I think if people want to ponder that stuff, I think it's interesting to... I I consider it, but also... um, Hades is one of those games that I mentioned this when we were first talking about it, how it's a game that I want to experience all of it. Uh, Hades, I've gone back to several times since we first talked about the game, meaning to like do an extra playthrough or something like, okay, like let's get a little more content of this and accidentally sit there and play for eight hours. Yeah. 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 It's a very addictive loop. Yeah. Like, I'll, and, I'll and accidentally it, play yeah. eight hours of a game, and that is something that not many games have the systems to, to, keep to you allow you with. to do. You don't accidentally play games for eight hours, uh, and this is the sort of game that will that, that'll absolutely do that to you. Yeah. Too, yeah. Those, those boons. I think Shay would appreciate this. I actually had... This is, this is a legitimate case that is going to crack you guys up. There's only one game... That me and Shay hundred percented, that Rich loved and finished in one day, and that Josh put down the controller and clapped for. Do you know what game that is? It's Man Eater. It's Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me and Shay both hundred percented it, and we were the most critical of it. Like in a fuck, we why don't we just say fuck it and just make Man Eater the game of the year and just make a whole mockery? It's the of this best shark game, game of the year. We agreed on that. <laughs> I mean, I talked. I, I mentioned this earlier. Given our lists. There are only four that appeared on more than one. So given that, I could absolutely say making our fifth game, number Man-eater. five, Maneater. Because that's the only one that we all, I 100%ed <laughs> it. I'm sure Rich 100%ed it. You just said that the other two of you 100%ed it as well. Since nothing else appeared on all four of our lists, 
I can absolutely see Good making God. Maneater number five. I, I think I'm comfortable with that. But we need to have. Are, are we saying Hades is number one? Given our lists, yes. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, Morgan normally does this, but I'm gonna kind of bring it up. Given the weighted scores for everything currently, without any discussion, otherwise. Oh, did you count the scores? Well, let's see where Hades we're at, and then we can discuss one. it. Eichenfell is number two. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is number three, and Ori is number four. Given, given just the weighted <laughs> scores from our four lists. I think because of my passion, I'd probably settle for The Last of Us at five. Um, yeah, I think five, actually, I because, could be comfortable because nothing with that. is overlapping probably more than other than those four. I think five is the kind of place where we've got an awful lot of leeway to put something we feel strongly about and as number five. I would I would actually, to, to what Morgan's saying and the way we talked about it today, I think I would actually be comfortable with The Last of Us at number five because I do feel it, it deserves a place on this list. Like, we may not feel all feel as strongly about it as Morgan does, but there's definitely things in that game that I think are super important that I think are worth yeah. rewarding. Um, I've given them a lot of credit for it, but oddly enough, this year, or not this year, but this week, um, this is about talking about what games have done excellently is why I've kind of, I've wanted to go in more whenever he brought up The Last of Us 2, um, talk about what it did excellently, and the detail, the amount they have focused on little in other games inconsequential parts of a game that mm-hmm. allow you to dry yourself into the world has been really great I, I can oddly I could I could see The Last of Us 2 or Maneater being number 5 honestly as far as um, one of them being more personal to us as far as something we kind of enjoyed as a yeah. group more and the other one being this is super important I, to gaming I, 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 as I a think, whole. I think the reason I may maybe swing towards The Last of Us is because, like you said, it's super important to gaming as a whole. We all at least feel it's important, and Morgan feels incredibly strongly about it. That's and kind I think of my thought that's what well. pushes it over the edge. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where you land on that, Jay. Cool. Um, <laughs> Last of Us is going in at least number five. No, I was just waiting for you. It seemed like you guys just wanted to talk to talk for the past 20 minutes, so I was waiting. Um, no, Last of Us is definitely going at number five. I definitely feel like it deserves yeah. a place on the list as well. Okay. Um, absolutely is going to go on the list. It's It wasn't in my personal top five just because I enjoyed other games more, but it's definitely Same. going on the list. And I, yeah. I will I will fight for that. It is definitely no, going on no, the list. I, I, I think we're all agreed on that. that. Yeah. Like, Good. Well, we, I'm, I'm, we, we, you asked we for my opinion, so I'm giving it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Man Eater or The Last of Us 5. I don't... I honestly feel like we should kind of add a honorable mention for Maneater because it was kind of a mess That's when it came out. That's shark in a leading role. Yeah, shark in a leading role. Like, I feel like it, it... It's one of those games that just, it worked on a level that a lot of other games just kind of flop at. Mm-hmm. Um, ha, fish. Like, for us as a group, I feel like Maneater <laughs> was actually way more weird, important than enough. it probably should have been. Yeah, but we really appreciated Maneater for what it did well. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm cool with that. Um, okay, if we're saying Morgan, I feel like you should really be taking the reins on this. If we're no, no, I I was just letting you guys yeah, talk. Yeah, it's I fine. Don't... Shady, you have anything else you want to get out of your system? 
Um, Were we happy yes. with the list that they made? Well, I was going to kind of go with it, knock at a time to see where, where we're at is what I was thinking. A knock at a time? Yeah. Just oh. go with that. Well, Josh is peeing. Um, well, recap the list as you had it for Shay, and then we'll get his thoughts because I, I gotta go. I don't exactly remember what it was. Josh. Okay. You said one. You, they said one Hades. They said two Ickenfell. They said three Final Fantasy remake. Um, they said four. Was Ori. Ori. And they said five was The Last of Us Part Two. All right, Hades number one is fine. Last of Us Two being number five is fine. Um, Ickenfell number two makes a lot of sense. Uh, it wasn't on my top five, but I feel strongly hold, about it as well. Just hold on, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> just a second. Um, I was gonna say it makes sense, except for the fact that Morgan didn't play it at all, and it wasn't in your top five. Even mm-hmm. if it's weighted higher because Josh and I voted higher. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ori is something all of us played and was... Morgan, it wasn't on your list, correct? Um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I just, uh, I kept getting, I got stuck on Qualic and then I kept getting stuck and I wasn't no, no, able that's fair. to... I'm just, I just couldn't remember if you put it on your list. Um, yeah, it would, make, it would make my top 10, but it didn't make my top five. Same. Uh... I feel like, and you didn't really like Final Fantasy VII that much. I mean, you liked it, but not that much. Honestly, I could see it going number one as being Hades, number two as being Ori, because we all played it and we all liked it to some degree. Number three being Ickenfell, because three of us really liked that game. Number four being Final Fantasy VII. The only problem with that is we have one, two, and three as indie games, which again, um, per your guys's uh, weird discussion, that that would not coincide with how Morgan feels either. Well, I no, that's a good point, Shay. I would just say this: I personally don't like making an independent game our number one game of the year, but I'm going to stomach my opinion and let it go to the group that that's okay with me because that's just the way I feel. So it's not a big deal. Like, honestly, Shay, two through five, I I just, number one is really the only one I generally promote. I just don't care that much because the one I care about the most is on the back end, and I'm upset about that. So, like, I really don't care what happens with four, three, and two, to be honest with you. Um, but I know, so you can do whatever you want. I, I'm cool with whatever. I mean, I think the way you described the list is fine. Ori at three, Final Fantasy at four. That seems reasonable. I think we had Ori at two. Am I, am I yeah, mistaken? I, just, I, would, I think Ori at two, again, makes more sense because Morgan, you didn't even play It Can Fell. And I understand three of us feel very strongly about It Can Fell. Um, I would love to put it at two, but I also know that Ori is something all four of us played and liked in varying degrees. That makes more sense to put it at two, even if it's weighted differently. Number three, It Can Fell would make a lot more sense for Final Fantasy VII Remake and five. Uh, Last of Us 2. Okay, that's fine. Like I said, I, I think that's a good I'm point. Super worried about it. Um, but I will say this. Um, I have one final question sure. for you guys. So let's say that is the top five that we're generally cool with. Um, why do you think... I haven't played it yet, so I'm not going to put my opinion into this. Um, 
and it's been weird because I don't, I'm pretty in touch with like, you know, at least gaming news and stuff. And I don't hear a lot about Ickenfell, but I know that you guys really enjoyed it. And I was just sort of like trying to see where it was at. And I noticed that it had pretty mediocre reviews from both critics and users. What do you, why do you think the game hasn't been received? What, what do you, what do you think is going on there? Because you guys sound like you're really high on this thing that I don't hear people talk. It only has 10 Metacritic reviews, which is like abnormally um, low. This is something that I feel like I'm, I, I feel like Shay kind of embodies this more than the, the other, like the rest of us who have played it. I mean, obviously you've not finished it cause you kind of got, you, you bounced off of it early. Um, I just started it. Yeah. But Shay almost bounced off of it early. Um, this is something that oh. he kind of hmm. early on, he's like, okay, I see where this is going. I've experienced an awful lot of the tropes that this game is touching on early on Present, presenting. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this game, I understand. And then he played more of it. And he's like, okay, I see how it was going in a different direction with all these thoughts. It flips a lot of that stuff on its head later on. Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of the thing. That's why it has so few uh, reviews in general. It's the sort of game that you can early on think you have, completely grokked and then it goes in a different direction the story goes in a way that you just kind of don't expect um and i feel like that's kind of one of the reasons that people bounce off of it it's a game that seems like it's one thing and it, it is that thing but it's not it's not a super straightforward version of that it's 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 taking yeah. a lot of these themes and ideas that have been just played out and goes in a different direction. Uh, and it gives you an right. interesting idea of a way to deal with these themes. Um, the, it doesn't reveal its charm right off the bat is I think the biggest problem here uh, besides advertisement or lack thereof, because I would have never even heard about this game had it not been for Josh. Um, advertisement is such a big sure thing. Too, I think. Yeah. Advertisement's a big thing. And also, um, the only charm it reveals in the first few hours, um, like major charm, is you saving by touching a cat. That's cute as fuck. But <laughs> other than that, the save cats are pretty great. They are amazing. But after, after the first few hours, you're kind of like, okay, this is a little quirky. Um, very standard by the books, except the combat as well, I guess. And nothing really stands out. And it's not until you encounter Marit and you go into the school that thing, like the charm really starts to reveal itself. Like when you, right before you go into the school and you run into Marit in the little um, tavern, that's, that's when it just starts to get a little bit of that charm. And then you get into the school and you really get the full effect of it. Um, It is a slow build into the game. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of game where, the characters are very genuine, um, but you've experienced these sort of tropes in ways that, like, you understand them before they give you that information, and it kind of takes a little more beyond that to even see that they are something unique and something, uh, something you can really. 
you need to edge past that surface level. Like there, yeah, there's more yeah, beneath like, the surface of all of these characters. Yeah, like they are all super relatable, but in ways that are seem like they're just different takes on tropes that you've seen a million times before, but they are all completely unique characters um, that have their own mm. backstory, their own takes on these sort of genre conventions that are not apparent right away. Like it's all the characters feel like someone you've kind of had a, you, you've experienced them before. Like it's, it's, it's ideas you've touched upon in a million other things before, but have their own weight behind them. Whenever someone is, kind of living them in their own unique way. Yeah. Josh, is this going to be my, is this, is this my life now? These, these independent games, nobody played with a 73 Metacritic. Is this my life now with you well, guys? Is this the hell I'm going to endure forever? Well, you know, first and foremost, the Metacritic score, the only one who cares about between the four of us is you. But one thing I'm going to say that we didn't really talk about too much, because it kind of got overshadowed for all of us by the LGBTQ stuff is it really does a lot to talk about mental illness. This game also talks a lot about that, and that's something that we didn't even really touch that much upon. Um, it does a lot for that as well. This game just... It's interesting, because I know a lot of people say when they play video games, they, they don't necessarily need their games to say anything for them to be awesome. Um, they don't even necessarily need an amazing story uh, for, it, for it to be impactful or awesome for them. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to find myself gravitating towards those ty types of games more for me personally. And this is not to be looked at as me taking uh, veiled shots at any other game. I promise you. Um, I, I like games that have something to say personally. And so when they do, it's always going to be vaulted up higher for me. Um, I, I look at my top list this year and maybe with the exception of, uh, Final Fantasy seven, I think all these games in some way, shape or form had something to say. And that's, what's important for me. And that's why it actually pained me to not put the last of us two in that number five slot. Um, it was really, really difficult. Like I was sitting there up until the very last second of the show being like, am I sure this is what I want my top five list to be? And I might look back and I might regret not putting the last of us two up on there. Cause I actually really enjoyed the game for as much as I've gotten tired, like to be completely honest, as much as I'm fucking tired of talking about that game and as much as I'm tired of listening to Morgan talk about the game. Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> I really am sorry. I do really enjoy that game. I'm dealing with it. And I enjoyed it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. That game does have stuff to say. It, I'm not going to talk negatively about it. We've already said why each one of us feels the way we do about the game. But for me, I want games to say something. In, at this current point in time, with how I enjoy games, not all the time, but most of the time, that's, those are the games that I'm going to enjoy the most. And um, yeah, yeah. my list is reflective of that. And I think that this game in particular ha does have a lot to say. And while it may not be the technical achievement and it may not have the budget 
I don't think it needs it because what it's trying to get across is not technical achievement. It's trying to get across very, very immediately impacting or poignant would be the short way to say that. Uh, morals and guidelines and the story very much reflects that and it doesn't need this massive amount of polish to do that. I think with The Last of Us 2, the polish really made that story for what it was trying to say pop and it made it that impactful impactful for everybody on top of it just being fucking technologically amazing with something like it can feel it didn't need that and it still managed to be impactful the 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 drawbacks are a the lack of advertisement b it takes a little while to get into and maybe even c the lack of technological um achievements for some people is probably a drawback too uh, I understand retro that's, yeah, that's retro feel saying, and look and... is a little bit more niche. I understand that. A lot of people yeah, want yeah. Uh, want the medium to continue to push forward, but I don't think that's always necessary. And I think that's why we see things like 80s style music is really, really been a ha- had a comeback in 2020 with Synthwave. Um, it's, it's had its underground movement, but it's really yeah. been a thing in 2020 and 2021. We are oddly, going to see those trends come and go. Yeah, oddly enough, I feel like this is something that games does backwards to film because the technological improvements are so fucking minute in film that generally the themes... Uh, the different movements in film you see are based off of reactions to a different way to tell a story. Um, yeah. Like you, you, no, and, you get and, an awful lot yeah. of like, okay. Um, the reactions to French new wave influenced an awful lot of film. And that had fuck all to do with technology. As far as making a film more realistic, it was, it was about how you tell a story. And I feel like games are kind of backwards where like the technology has leapfrogged forward at just a breakneck speed that you get these technological improvements. And then like three years later, you'll finally get someone who has something to say about the way this game told a story. Um, yeah. And you kind of get them in this backwards sort of uh, sort of way. And eventually that'll probably slow down as we kind of approach what games can do period as a, as opposed to in this three month period before computers just you know, overtake everything overtake everything yeah and, and look and and it's it's really interesting i feel like this this year in particular we've gotten an awful lot of indie games that have taken really cool approaches to the narrative frameworks that we've seen uh in the past and done cool stuff with them um and then on completely different fronts, the technology has just, you know, gone to the fucking, just fucking outer space with what is possible for a game to do at all. Um, I don't, and I don't necessarily disagree. Like I said, I haven't played that particular game, so I don't have a strong opinion one or the other. Um, I'm just, it's just a little, I feel like, like Shay said, he's leaning that direction and you guys are leaning that direction. And I feel like I'm leaning another direction and I'm, yeah. I'm just worried. I'm going to feel really on the outside. Cause like, if you were to tell someone that the most decorated game of all time only made one list on this show, I, and I know you get upset when I say that, but I'm just saying that to, I, I'm like, I can give my opinion over and over, but my whole point is that it's an important game and it's, 
And uh, look, it, yeah, whatever. No, no, gonna, I, my I, point is that I agree on that. I front. feel I, alone, and I feel like like I feel like if you enjoy, can actually play Ickenfell and enjoy it more than the Last of Us Two, then we are so different as people that maybe we're going different directions. That's all I'm saying. No, no, that's fair because as far as that goes, as far as what's the most influential, The Last of Us Two is infinitely more influential than Ickenfell as far as the medium as a whole going forward because more people have played it. It has done infinitely more as far as what can a game even do? Um, but I also agree with you as far as like, yeah, no, I, I think it can fell is more enjoyable of an experience to go through because I feel like it is touching on more of those narrative threads of like okay given what games can do let's Mm -hmm. tell a story that's kind of subverting a lot of those ideas you've got in your head like like what can what what is a game um and i feel like i enjoyed Uh, that personally way more um yeah and i can and you can make the same case for last of us too and that's my whole point i just wonder if maybe in this that's what I'm saying. You guys are a lot more. I think you need to stop looking at the of... like we're going in different directions thing as a bad thing, though. Like, it's good to have both of those voices here talking about video games. Mm-hmm. It's it's it not is. a negative. It is, but it, no. again, you have. To, I guess you'd have to know what it feels like to be the one weird voice that feels like they are. You know, we have yeah. all <laughs> felt like that. That's the thing, dude. Like, yeah. How many? Like, I bring this. <laughs> No, remember when Red no, Dead One won award? Have felt that way. <laughs> Red Dead One won award. I don't know if you've seen my you games rem- list. Do you remember in 2016 when I was sitting there saying Owlboy should be the game of the year and literally had no? I would have had there? your back, Shay. Well, but that was the funniest thing great. too because I suggested <laughs> Owlboy to Shay and then he absolutely loved it even more than I did to the point where it made his list. So it's like, well, Owlboy is a good example of the point I'm making, though. That's the same. I. That's my point. The one year I got cute with it, that I, is not your day, point. <laughs> No, Don't that, even pretend that, that's that, your that, point. That's not your point no, at all. You no, you're I'm not right. going to let did, you get you away with that. That's with, not your point. You felt alone with Owlboy, but it's still in line with you know the the small. Again, that's it why doesn't I think matter. It's that's this. not your point. That's not what we're talking about. I just let's just get out of here. Let's just go. Let's just go. yeah. Let's just all agree that Midnight Castle Succubus is the game of the year, and let's get out of here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Ain't uh, nothing better than some monster sex. Pray for me. Um, if you want to pray no, for my I... therapy for the next year, please go to patreon.com slash swordchomp <laughs> and you can fund us here. Um, but again, congratulations to the game of the year, Hades and the viewers game of the year, the last of us part two. And, uh, we will be back next week with a, well, the first official, we're going to talk about games again, like new ones. Oh, great. Oh, and guess what? They're going to be games that are. We're going to talk about 2021's game of the year, Cyber Shadow. We're going to talk about small t- $15 games again. All right. Woo. All right. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. Garbage. Mm. Let's get out of here. <laughs> what about that $60 Hitman game that Rich is going to talk about? That's, That's also true. very good. That's Let's true. get out of here. Um, thank you for listening. And thank you, Rich, for being here from New York. Shay from Japan. Josh from Michigan. And I am here in Montana. We'll see you hopefully next week. Oh.